Susan went berserk and killed her sister. Susan had accidentally fallen on an axe. She was dead. He loves me, not you. Adam Kent, the oldest of the Kent brothers, was unaware of what had happened to his brothers. Five years earlier, in August of 1981, Vicky, Adam's daughter, was sent to the Brant Hospital for the criminally insane for killing two neighborhood boys. Have your old room, dear. The boys seem to be coming from the hat box. Williams Crosby from Fatal Games, and you are listening to Hysteria Continues. Yes, welcome back to Hysteria Continues, episode 41. And um, this episode, I'm going to try and perhaps outdo Nathan um, with my choice. Um, as you can hear, we've got it's Doris Wishman all the time um, going on at the moment, so there should be some interesting editing happening hopefully later. Um, yes, we are covering Doris Wishman's slasher epic. 1983's A Night to Dismember, which should uh, make for some quite fun uh, discussion, I think, coming up. Um, but before we get to that, um, on all of our wish lists, I imagine, are our fellow podcasters. So, how are we doing over in Ireland, Eric? Good, good, good. Thank you. Futuristic um, slasher epic, you should say, because it's uh, set in 1986. It is, and it was mm. made in 1979 and 1983, and um, probably a few weekends in between, I imagine. Mm. Uh, yes, yes, but is the sun shining for you? It is actually, believe wow. it or not. I yes. know it's it's funny. We've mm. had a we've had a heat wave, mini heat wave, which is mm. just about broken here. But uh, um, yeah, well, that's good to hear, Rick. How about you, Nathan? How are you doing? I'm okay. Yeah. What's yeah. It What's it? Is it still? It's quite early in the morning, isn't it, with you? Yeah, I just woke up like five minutes ago. Wow. Okay. Well, that's dedication, isn't it, to mm-hmm. uh, to the podcast? So thank you. Well, for that. I just woke up five minutes ago as well. It's two o'clock over here. Okay. It was a heavy well, night. In the morning. Sure. I'm lying. Yeah. yeah. And how about you, Joseph? How are you doing? I just woke up a couple of hours ago. Okay. Mm. Right. Well, there you that's go. not just a couple of hours. Mm. Yes. You've had just. time to get up. You know, go for a morning run, drink a ton of coffee. Mm, I have, but I haven't. Mm, okay. Well, that's a blow-by-blow um, account of our lives, which I know that's why you tune in to The Hysteria Continues, to hear what we've been up to. Um, and, uh, well, yes, we are covering Doris Wishman's A Night to Dismember, uh, the little scene, little known um, slasher classic, um, or is it? We're also going to be doing a top three list. We're going to be looking at the our worstest if that's a word which of course it isn't um, (laughs) bottom three horror movies bottomless three bottomless three yes um so it's the tops of the bottoms um for us to today isn't it eric yes Um, yes. 
Okay, right. Well, we're going to be getting onto that, so that's going to be quite interesting um, because I think we've got some contention, uh, perhaps, with a couple of the picks. Uh, see if you agree with us. Um, as ever, I kind of guess we're probably um, uh, launching into some re- recently seen, and we're currently. I think we might explain last time um, when we did uh, "Don't Go Into the Woods um, Alone" that we're kind of recording a little bit out of whack. We're actually a bit like Doris Wishman's "A Night to Dismember." In fact, we are recording. Um, uh, you'll hear this in about two weeks' time, so we're doing some kind of weird Wishman-esque kind of um, shenanigans because I'm, uh, bizarrely, again, time-travelling, I will be back by the time this goes out, I think, or will I? I'm not sure, but um, from my holiday, but that's why we're recording this in advance. So just if you've been waiting for any feedback, can you send some feedback in? We've got a shit ton of it at the end of this uh, programme, so if you haven't heard your feedback um, before now, hopefully it'll be here. It's just we're a little bit out of kilter, but hopefully after summer we'll be back onto our... We'll be regular again, as it were, regular clockwork. So... Um, <laughs> I got my X lax ready. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, we've um, obviously keeping it classy as always. Uh, we're recently seen, so we've had a little break before um, since the last show. So, um, Nathan, what have you been watching in the last couple of weeks? Um, I don't remember much of what I watched. Um, it's it's difficult for me to remember, but I did watch um, Hollywood's New Blood. Uh, okay. I won't yeah. say anything about it because I do plan to pick it. But of course. Oh, <laughs> oh no no no! It it was very fun, and I think you're going to enjoy it. Okay. What year? What year is it from? Eighty nine, eighty seven. Okay. Like okay. Mm. It's late eighties. Yeah. Is it shot and on video? Um. No, it's not. I don't it's think not. it is. No. Okay. But that's another very obscure one, isn't it? I've not seen yeah. it. I've got it somewhere. I've got it knocking around somewhere from. Um, courtesy of baby jesus but i don't think i've ever got around to watching it but uh that should be that should be you're gonna love it oh i bet what, what's it called again hollywood's new blood okay mm. just do a little google search on that eric and um you frighten yourself <laughs> <laughs> so, um is there anything you can tell us about nathan that you've been watching uh, recently last night i watched girls gone dead the okay. newer movie, and mm. I really liked it. I thought it was really fun and entertaining, and you know, I mean, it, it, it's it's a horror comedy, and yeah, some of the comedy kind of falls flat, but some of it really had me laughing. Um, there's one scene in particular I love where um, a guy and a you know a little person are trying to get away from the killer, and the killer comes out swinging an axe, and the guy grabs this little person who's supposed to be a friend of his and holds him up as a shield. <laughs> and he ends up getting killed. Really? I mean, wow. no. I mean, I thought it was terrible that the poor little person's there kicking, trying to get away, and his friend of all people is holding him up as a shield. So Isn't it, it Beetle, Beetlejuice? Yeah, that's who it is. Uh. And then after the, you know, he gets killed, the guy throws the corpse into the killer so he can get away. Wow. I okay. mean, you know, I thought that scene was uh, really funny and amusing, and, you know, it. No, I mean, I, I thought it was probably one of the better, like, low-budget movies I've seen lately. Because, you know, like I said, it's not serious. It's got a huge body count, you know, and the killer uses uh, an axe. So how could mm. I dislike it? Okay, is that the is the killer dressed as a clown? Is it that one? No, he's dressed like a monk. Okay. With, a yeah, like a, a weird mask on, and it's like a monk's robe or something. Okay. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Okay, well, I'm going to have to watch out for that one. Um Anything else? 
Uh, no, I started to watch The Nostril Picker last night, but Wes said he didn't want to watch it, so I have to wait and watch it today. Okay. Right. I don't think I've seen that one. That's um, mm. That came out on Vipco in the UK, didn't it? I think, uh, Mary. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I remember the sleeve, but I, despite its you know absurd title, it never enticed me, I have to say. No, same here, same here. Well, okay. I heard that it has nothing to do with what that title is, so I guess that title's just some, something stupid to mm. make people wonder what it's about. But I heard it's nothing about some guy picking his nose. <laughs> okay, right, right. Well, those are the more recommendations from the crew at uh, Hysteria Continues. But um, well, thank you, Nathan. Um, how about you, Joseph? Well, I've seen a few things, but one movie in particular I want to warn people away from is uh, the detention. Mm. It's uh, I don't remember the guy's the, the director's name is Joseph Kahn. I think I don't remember, but uh, it's uh, basically kind of. Uh, I guess you'd want to call it a comedy, like a horror comedy, or it tries to be. Um, you know, I, I dislike a lot of films, you know, personally. I have some weird taste, but uh, I don't really outright hate many movies, but this one I absolutely loathed. I mean, this is the kind of movie that thinks it's funny to be, you know, outwardly obnoxious just for the sake of being obnoxious. So hmm. there are no likable characters whatsoever. Everyone, I mean, if, if these were teenagers I hung out with in high school, I would actually go on a killing spree, and they'd lock me up for the rest of my life. I mean, I hated this movie. It's so obnoxious and just so irritating. It's like claws on a chalkboard. It's basically, I mean, it has no plot to speak of. I mean, when I'm, I'm not kidding. There is really no plot. I mean, if I had to call something out, it's basically a bunch of kids in high school constantly making pop culture references, and then occasionally a killer will show up, or somebody will get involved with aliens, or uh, someone will time travel back to you know the 1980s, but uh, or the early 90s. I'm sorry, but um, it's just so irritating. And I mean, it's either going to be one of those movies you really like or you really hate. I mean, I don't think there's going to be any middle ground, but. Uh, I, I could not stand it, and if I ever have to watch it again, I will ab- absolutely kill myself. I'm not kidding. Right. Well, we consider that, ourselves yeah. warned. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait to watch it. Yeah, you're oh, probably going to pick terrible. it as well. Make yes, I'm, I'm telling you what, if I like it, I'm picking it. Well, you heard it here first. Um, <laughs> what's actually happened to that film? Did it get delayed for ages? Is it? Um... Yeah, it was It was put on the shelf for forever. I think they were trying to get a cinema release, but... It never got one, and I can kind of understand why. I mean, it's not a poorly made film. I mean, it's really well made, but it's just so, you know, it, I, I think it's trying to make fun of modern teenagers, and you know, who text all the time and things like that. But I don't like movies that are, you know, obnoxious, you know, on purpose. You know, if it's ac- accidentally obnoxious, I can kind of, you know, you know, at least chuckle at it. But this is just like, hey, let's, let's try to irritate the audience as much as we can. And God, ugh. Hate that fucking movie. Well, okay, don't hold yeah, back. It had, a, had a budget of ten million, according to the IMDb. Did it really? Yeah. Quite a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, isn't it? Yeah. Well, they had to pay Dane Cook. Who is Dane Cook? Isn't he's a he comedian. in it? Yeah, yeah, he's a comedian. Uh, I'm, he's 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 very irritating, but he's actually the least irritating part of the film. Well, well, there you go. Well, well, um, yes. Well, thank you for that, Joseph. Um, anything else? Yeah, there was actually a, a horror comedy that I saw that I really liked. It was called Some Guy Who Kills People. Hmm. And um, it stars uh, Kevin Corrigan. He's in uh, The Departed and a few other things. But uh, basically, he's this guy. He um, 
he he gets released from like a mental institution and he you know he gets a job in like a little diner and um you know he's trying he's he's an artist so he's trying to you know put his life together and he finds out um he has like an 11 year old daughter that he he never knew he had so uh you know a lot of the movies like you know him spending time with her and getting to know her and she's actually you know not the typical where where were you my whole life she actually likes the guy and she's trying to you know help him you know get a girlfriend and be more you know outward and assertive and stuff but you know in the meantime uh someone's going around killing people that were associated from with an incident from his past which i won't spoil but uh and he always seems to be at the crime scene so you pretty much you know think you know what's going on but it has a few twists and turns but uh it, it's really it's surprisingly a sweet film and it's you know it's it's got some really funny moments uh courtesy of the sheriff character played by uh who was it barry bostwick uh he's kind of funny in the film and uh the lead character as i said he's extremely likable and um if i if i had a failing i didn't really care much for the you know the 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 revelation and uh how it ends i mean i think they were trying to shoot for um like a kind of an upbeat thing but I don't know. It just didn't really work for me. I, but the rest of the movie, you know, more than makes up for it. And I would highly recommend that. Okay. Interesting. Um, you seen that, Nathan? I've not seen it, but I want to. Okay. Okay. Oh, if you're going to pick a horror comedy, pick that, not Detention. Okay. Right. Well, I got to pick both, though. Mm, you're not allowed. <laughs> but you know, you know, like uh, many, many people saying the movie's like the worst thing you've seen in years. It's just a red flag to a bull. Well, I'll tell you what. I would rather watch Detour a hundred times than ever watch Detention again. Mm, okay. I would rather watch Rob Zombie's both Halloween films than ever watch Detention <gasps> again. Gosh, it must be bad. It must it's be bad. Terrible. Yeah. Well. Well, I mean, at least you got one good um, pick out of that. So, was was anything else? Yeah, I mean, you know, just a few little things. I rewatched Cobra, which I think is such an absurdly, you know, great action action slasher hybrid. Hmm. I think the the bad guy is like really good and over the top and Sylvester Stallone, he, always, he you know, he has all these one-liners and uh and you know, that's pretty much it. I mean, I, I can really I mean, it's been so long since we recorded, I can barely remember what else, what all I've watched, but that's hmm. the three main things. Okay. All right. Thank you very much, Joseph. How about you, Eric? Yeah, well, I've been away, so I haven't really watched that much, but I've watched, uh, in the last few days, I watched The Green Slime, which is a 1968, um, I think it's Japanese, Japanese-USA co-production. It's a science fiction film rather than horror, although it does have some similarities to Alien and uh, Species 2, probably. Um, it's about these people, these astronauts go to intercept an asteroid that's heading for Earth. Um, they land on the asteroid. This is much like Armageddon, actually. They land on the asteroid and plant some nuclear explosives, planning to you know blow the asteroid smithereens. Accidentally, though, without knowing it, they bring back some green slime from the asteroid, which uh, eventually uh, metamorphoses into these um, very, very rubbery hilarious looking rubber monsters uh, they look kind of like well it makes the 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 alien at the end of luigi Cozzi's contamination look like the work of knb or, or ilm or something i mean it's really really shoddy and the 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 spaceship miniatures in it are incredibly like considering it was made the same year as 2001 it's um quite shocking how bad the spaceship effects in it are i mean it's quite entertaining it's probably um, we were saying before about uh, films in the 60s, maybe because they're a bit before our time, we don't get them as much. Um, 
But yeah, I did find it a bit plodding and a bit dull, to be honest, even though there is some mirth to be had. And it's got a great sort of funky 60s theme song, which is completely out of place um, with the with the film. Like, it, it hasn't, it's, it's more like a beach movie uh, theme song. I don't know if you ever heard it. It's called The Green Slime, the song. Okay. Mm. I've not I've not seen the film, but um, mm. yeah, well, it sounds it sounds like fun. It is. It's a bit of fun, but yeah. um, it did test my uh, limited attention span, I have to say. Mm. Um, the other one I saw, which was only made a couple of years later, uh, but it's absolutely one of my favourites and uh, it kept me riveted for its 100-minute running time, is uh, Tombs of the Blind Dead, mm. which I hadn't watched for a number of years. Mm. And uh, I still love it as much as ever, watching it last night. Uh, I think it's really atmospheric. Um, it's a story of basically three people, Beth, uh, Virginia and Roger, they go on a train trip together and Beth uh, is a bit jealous of the other two flirting. So she jumps off the train uh, and um, takes refuge in an abandoned town. Well, it's it's not abandoned as such. It's, it's in ruins because it hasn't been inhabited for sort of hundreds of years. And the blind dead of the title awaken every night and uh, come after her in slow motion. And it's, it's actually quite tense. And, and considering the effects of the blind dead themselves are a tad shoddy, particularly their arms, which look like sort of rubbery, fake um, Halloween things you can get for maybe 50 cents in the local joke shop. It, it's amazing how effective the, the mm. film still manages to be. Um, it's a slow burner, I mean, and it's not incredibly gory, apart from one scene where it flashes back to the blind dead in their previous lives as Templar Knights. They, we see them torturing a woman tied to a sort of crucifix of some kind. Uh, but otherwise, it's it's pretty gore-free and it relies more on atmosphere than that. And it has a, a blisteringly good ending, I think. Mm. Um, and I, I really enjoy it, I have to say. And there's a great sequence set in a shop where they make mannequins dummies. Um, it's very, very effective. Mm. No, it's a great film, isn't it? I've just mm. bought a, a new poster for that, actually. Um, but I saw that, yes. Yeah. That's yeah. kind of what, I think that probably was subconsciously inspired me to to uh, slip it in last night. Oh, well, there you go. Um, yeah, no, <laughs> so I, I love all of the... Um, actually, we haven't had one of these. We might as well. You know, we are missing... Uh, Nathan, no, please. Oh, your hand. <laughs> but of course. Yay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I love the Blind Dead films. I think um, yeah. the fourth one's a bit bit dull. I, I adore the third one, uh, Ghost Galley. Oh, I love the third one. Yeah, it's That's my favourite. Mm. But the first one is, is really, really, really good and, like I say, very atmospheric and the ending mm. is, is in, incredible, isn't it? I think it's such yeah. a, such a the train ending. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really like that. So That's an incredibly eerie shot of a child um, with blood pouring down its face. It's not, not mm. something you would see sort of in modern cinema. No, no. Well, the Spanish seem to be... Have you ever seen um, uh, Who Could Kill a Child? Oh, that's a fantastic film. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's really uh, good film. It's, it's kind of really, like, it's really intense, sort of. Yeah. Well, it's kind of. Um, I think it, they people said that uh, Stephen King may have nicked the idea for Children of the Corn from it, didn't he? Um, mm, because yeah, it's like it an island feels. where all the children have killed all the adults, and the two English holidaymakers end up there, and then they basically have to kill the children to try and get away and fight them. Mm. Um, and it's just not something you would see in today's kind of films, is it? Like quite small children being shot in the head and stuff like that. So. Um, but yeah, didn't the, yeah. Didn't the director of um, Who Can Kill a Child go on to devise the UK game show Three Two One? Was it? Oh, I think he did. Yeah, bit, but I, uh, yeah, I don't and know. That's how he made his fortune. Oh, okay, mm. interesting, interesting. Right. Well, um, we should make a game show called Who Can Kill a Child. Yes, that would be uh, <laughs> that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah, um, hmm, like okay. Hunger Games or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, you want a trip to Maui? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. 
talking i'm sorry just just sort of as an aside but um I, one of the films i watched recently i'm not going to talk about it now but it's battle royale and i just heard um in light of the hunger games and obviously the whole thing about children being killed and killing each other is um they're supposed to be doing a battle royale uh tv show aren't they in the states Really? Really? Yeah, they want to. I haven't heard to, a thing about that. Yeah, apparently it's in development. I don't quite know how that's going to happen because the whole reason I think they never made a remake of Battle Royale in the states was because you know it was around the time of Columbine, wasn't it, and all of that. Mm. And obviously, uh, you've had the recent shootings and, and stuff. So I, I, you've even got people like Bob Weinstein saying they need to call a summit to talk about violence in movies. And of course, this is the man who gave us Pulp Fiction and The Burning. But there you go. Um, uh, but so anyway, sorry about that, Eric. Um, is there anything else? No, no, just those two. Because okay. I was busy sunbathing my tits off on the beach in Spain. Yes. Did you? you find, did you find Inga? Was it Inga? No, I didn't. But I was touched by Jesus. Were you? Mm. Who was? Who was Jesus? His Jesus. Oh, he's just a friend. Don't okay. worry. It was nothing illicit or explicit. It wasn't. So what? Did no. you? Did you end up in any supermarkets? I did, but they only sold water and iced tea and stuff. I was very disappointed. Mm. I couldn't find yeah. the video section in the supermarkets I went into. Well, you're yeah. not looking Do you know what I did try, though? And you you actually can't uh, can't drink this um, lovely little shot because it has uh, Baileys in it, mm. um, being a vegan. But if you mix Baileys, uh, grenadine, and uh, amaretto, it's called a cherry bakewell, and it tastes just like a cherry bakewell. It's oh, really? absolutely delicious. Okay. Mm. Ooh, interesting. Mm, well, you yeah. can you can make vegan Baileys. I have, oh, I can you? In the past, yeah. We just whiskey whisk- and and cream, you know, soy cream and stuff. Yeah. All right. So, but uh, well, you can also use grenadine to make a Roy Rogers. A Roy What's Rogers? that? Isn't Roy it? Uh, it's an old cola. Cowboy. It's cola mixed with grenadine. Mm. Oh. We used to have something called a green monster when I, mm. when I was growing up. Well, not when I was growing did you up. Go to, did you go to the doctor? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's a, it was a pint of um, a snake bite, sort of lager and cider, and a, a blue curaco dropped into it, shot. And oh. it Just to let in. everyone know, Justin was drinking at the tender age of six. Yeah, yeah of course. <laughs> well, apparently, I did um, a one when uh, I was about, no, younger than six, but about three or four, I did. Um, I was given some wine at table, and I did. I, apparently, I, I tap danced on the um, the dining room table, much to <laughs> the delight of my parents and their friends. Apparently, so now okay. he's now he's the Barney Rubble of the podcast. <laughs> well, I was drinking tequila at two o'clock last uh, this morning. So, um, <laughs> oh dear. So, yeah. Yeah. so anyway, how was hang your hangover? On. It's not too bad actually, considering considering mm. that we were drinking rosé and then onto tequila. Not not the best mix in the world, no. but um, but I thought it's probably having a hangover and reviewing um, a night to dismember is probably quite uh, apt. So, <laughs> but we'll be coming on to that shortly. I'll just quickly run through a few films I've seen, and I'm not going to make myself popular with Nathan uh, when I say this. But um, I watched um, Return to Horror High uh, the other day, and I didn't really enjoy it. I d- it didn't stand up for me at all. Um, I just thought it was pretty unfunny um, and not very thrilling. And having said that, I thought Laurie Lathine was fantastic, and I liked her in the lead. I thought they were really good, um, but they're deserving of a better movie, to be honest. Um, it just didn't. It seemed to be like the worst of that combination of horror comedies that wasn't particularly horrifying and wasn't very funny. And it, you know, it didn't stand up for me. But I know you do love that film, Nathan, don't you? Yeah, I do. I got it on my list to choose at some mm. point. Mm. Well, we won't talk too much about it, but it's, yeah, it's just kind of sometimes films stand up and sometimes they don't, but then that's just my opinion. Another film that I didn't, it's, it's strange, I, it's, I, I find it really t- 
tough to love this film, but it's um because I do love Mario Bava. I think he's a fantastic director, and a lot of his films I really really like. But Five Dolls for an August Moon, which is one of his um you know early well 1970s shallows, I just find to be quite dull, which is bizarre considering how garish it is um, and how um, over the top everything is, and it's got Edwidge Finique with hair bigger than some small countries, you know, um, <laughs> frugging around in gold lame, and that kind of stuff's great, but it's just it I. It's quite a languid production. Have mm. any of you guys seen it? Sort of. Recently? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks great. But yes, and is, I agree. It mm. is dull. Yeah, the, the horror element is totally non-existent. Yeah. yeah, it's strange, isn't it? It just doesn't work. Whereas it's something like Bay of Blood is eminently watchable. Um, mm. uh, you know, and obviously Blood and Black Lace again. Um, but it's, it, I don't know. Five dollars for an August. I mean, apparently, I, I mean, I was reading up about. Um, about it and he didn't really want to make the film and he was kind of like he didn't like the script and stuff so i think it's you know it's all told it was that's what uh, it kind of shone through um and finally the other film which i may have spoken about before but um is the the british american co-production from a few years ago triangle um i got that on blu-ray cheap and it's the uh the one with melissa george who's in quite a few horror movies and obviously was in home and away uh way back when um but uh, yeah, so if you haven't seen it, it's a story of a woman who's um, basically gets this kind of bad case of deja vu, um, and uh, she uh, basically is condemned to repeat the same day over and over and over again. And part of that included is um, her being on a, an abandoned ocean liner and being stalked by um, somebody in a hood. Um, so it has some slasher movie trappings in it it's probably not a slasher movie as such but it certainly does borrow stuff from it and um it really stood up for me i thought it was really good um you know very well put together and i think it's kind of <clears throat> although it had made a little bit of splash when it came out i think it's kind of it's pretty much overlooked now but um what do you guys think of that film love it i love yeah. it mm. I, went to, I went to see it in the cinema when it came out and uh, bought it on blu-ray the day it was released because i was i just was so impressed with it now I, I wanted to repeat viewings to see if the if the sort of time loops all made sense mm. Mm. Which they kind of do. I don't know. It's, it's, it's sometimes it can get be kind of hard to follow, saying, "Okay, which version is this?" And mm. but uh, no, I did love it. Well, I did. Um, I, if, if you haven't seen the film, don't listen to the next um, twenty seconds. But the I the bit I didn't get was you know the car crash at the end. One mm. of the the person who was driving was on the floor. Was actually one of the women that was on the boat. And so that, that's right, isn't it? It wasn't. Is it? Was, I can't it was remember. Dead body on the floor, on with uh, the sun's dead, and and when she's yeah. watching the car, she's watching the wreck, and the the camera pans across, and it's one of the, the instead of her dead on the on the road, it's um, one of the other women that was on the boat. She gets on, so it was almost as if was she actually really the mother? And I thought, you know, I thought it was, it was clever, but um, but oh, uh, I, I didn't I didn't twig that fact actually. I don't yeah. think. Okay, well maybe I miss miswatched it, but um, but anyway, if you haven't seen it, I've, we just bought the ending for you, so um, but it's still worth. Well, the, the ending is so open to interpretation that I think it, it it's impossible to spoil, really. Exactly, exactly. Mm. So uh, yeah, well that's a recommend from me, but that's kind of what we've been watching recently. But from the very some of the best and some of the not so good, um, uh, we are going to move on to our top three or our bottom three of our personal worst horror movies. Uh, that aren't slasher movies, uh, and I think it's going to be quite an uh, interesting one to do. So, um, who wants to kick off? How about you, Nathan? Do you want to go first? Uh, yeah, and I just want to say right off the bat, even though we're talking about worst horror movies, it doesn't mean I don't like them. Hmm. <laughs> it just means that their production values just may not be up to par with other movies. That's all. Okay. 
Well, it's interesting because I think we kind of I've got take a slightly different take on it, but um, but that's all good. Yeah. So, what's, <laughs> so what's your? Well, Nathan, he doesn't he doesn't dislike anything. So well, there is that. Yes. Yeah. So what is your number three, Nathan? Uh, my number three is one I saw on Mystery Science Theater 3000. Uh, it's called Manos, The Hands of Fate. Hmm. Um, I thought this movie was awesome, very hilarious, but, um, you know, it, a lot of it makes no sense. Uh, the acting's pretty abysmal. Um, you know, I mean, I don't know. There's just so much wrong with the movie. I mean, I, I love the scene where the daughter's missing, and, you know, the parents are freaked out and looking for her. And the mom, she barely opens the little bedroom door and just barely sticks her head in and yells and then shuts it and walks off. I mean, if your daughter's missing, why aren't you going into the room and looking for her? Right. I mean, it's just full of little weird scenes like that. And then there's the um, um, the the scene where the weird caretaker um, is, like, kind of pawing at the, the wife of... And she just stands there and, and just kind of lets him like paw all over. And then suddenly she's like, don't you do that again, you beast. And then <laughs> slaps him and starts screaming for her husband. But it's just, it's very weird because she stands there for at least a good like couple of minutes letting him paw at her before she starts screaming. Hmm. So obviously, you know, they didn't have very good production values, but you know, it's the thought that counts. And I think that, you know, it, you know, they had a lot of heart. I also love the scene where the masters, like, group of wives decide to all have a big fight for, you know, I guess no apparent reason except their jealousy. Mm. The master's not even that good looking, so I don't know why they're going all crazy over him. <laughs> I've not actually seen this film because I've, I've had a look at, obviously, we kind of we kind of know what the top threes are. And there's quite a few on, on the list I haven't seen. Um, so... Uh, so yeah, no, that's that's interesting. How about you guys? Have you seen Manos Hands Hands of Fate? No. Yes. No. You have. Okay. Just on Mystery Science Theater. Mm. When was it made? Is it sixties? Nineteen sixty-six. Okay. Six. Mm. Okay. Well, it's something I have to add. You know, maybe when I'm on holiday, I can I'm going to take a whole load of uh, uh, bad movies. Hopefully, on away with me and. Um, uh, certainly, after sitting through a night to remember a few more times than I probably should have, um, I think <laughs> it's going to look better. But I won't, I won't jump the show, you know, jump into that yet. Um, is there anything else you want to say about it, Nathan? Um, I, I just think everybody should seek it out. Okay, right, all right. Well, thank you for your number three, um, Eric. What's your third worst horror movie? Okay, this will be probably controversial because I, th- I think a lot of people do like this one. But my uh, number three is George Romero's Survival of the Dead, which is his most recent of mm. his Living Dead films. Mm. Um, I bought this sort of site on scene. It, it came out in the UK, I think, before it came out in the States. So I hadn't really read any reviews and I was just gobsmacked at how much I disliked it. Uh, for starters, um, it, well, I suppose the, uh, just to give you a brief outline of the plot, it's about um, sort of two warring Irish families um, who are in the midst of the zombie crisis. One of them wants to get rid of the undead by just shooting them in the head as, as normal. Other, The other family wants to keep hold of the undead, their loved ones who are now the undead, in the hopes that a cure will eventually be found. Um, and so there's kind of this Western feel to this um, these warring factions. Um, but the thing that bothered me most was, first of all, it looks quite cheap. Um, it looked like... Um, 
it looks even cheaper than Night of the Living Dead, to be honest. Mm. Um, the second thing that really bugged me was the horrible, horrible, horrible Irish accents. It was just so, it was really insulting. I haven't been that insulted by an Irish accent in a film since Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman in Far and Away, which, uh, apart from being a really, really dull film, was hilar- just had the most hilarious accents that we still mock to this day over here in Ireland. Um, I just thought that, I mean, there are some good things in Survival of the Dead. As as Nathan said, these films, these aren't films, apart from my number one pick, which I do absolutely hate. Um, there are things in Survival of the Dead I did like. I mean, there's a great image of a zombie uh, riding a horse, which is quite arresting. Um, and there was, uh, you know, there's a few sort of good ideas about finding alternative food sources apart from human beings for the zombies. But overall, I just thought the film was... I thought it was dull, I thought it looked cheap, and again, those Irish accents really grated on my tits. Mm. Okay, well, interesting. What about um, you guys, uh, Nathan and Joseph? Have you got any fans there of that film? I haven't, I haven't seen, seen it. it. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I've, I have seen it. I, I saw it. I kind of hired it. I don't think I didn't buy it because... Um, the Diary of the Dead, uh, I, I found very ho hum, and I, I you know, I, I do love zombie movies. I'm a big fan of zombie movies. Always, you know, have been. Um, but I do think um, uh, George Romero is is. I wouldn't say he's overrated because I think he's made some fantastic movies. But I think he's kind of condemned um, to almost like a, a triangle style situation where he's condemned to remake the same film over and over again. And mm. he's just he's an old man, you know, and he obviously doesn't. You know, he probably that's probably the only films he's able to make, the only films he's able to get financing for, um, and I think he, you know, it's it's it, you know, I did find it quite lacklustre, um, you know, and it wasn't, you know, and I think it's time um, he hung up his, uh, you know, director's cap or whatever. But you know, I don't, I mean, there aren't any musings about any more dead movies coming from us there, even though considering. We are probably, you know, at the tail end of a major zombie boom, aren't we? With The Walking Dead and, um, you know, World War Z and all those kind of, you know, those films. And they're, they're churning out uh, sort of zombie, cheap zombie flicks all the time, aren't they? From Return of the Living Dead or Reanimation of the Dead or whatever it is, 3D. And, you know, there seems to be every week there's a new zombie movie coming out. This obviously shot on a camcorder in someone's back garden. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, I think it's a, a warranted pick, Eric. So thank you. Is there thank anything you. else you want to say about it? No, no, that's it. No, okay, all right. Well, long ago were the days of burial ground. Indeed. Yes, which would be one of my favourites. Yeah, that's one of my favourites. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, Joseph, what's your number three? Uh, my number three is a movie from 1995 called Gr- uh, Grim, G R I M. Okay, it's yeah. ba- <laughs> it's it's. One of those apex cheap, you know, movies. It's basically this. It's basically Rawhead Rex in a bunch of caves, except for it doesn't have Rawhead Rex's charm or its budget. Right. But um, I mean, and that's saying something considering you know some of the special effects in Rawhead Rex are kind of iffy. But uh, it basically these people go spelunking, you know, these caves, and there's a monster down there who can walk through walls, and it, you know that sounds pretty good, but God, it is so dull. And the, the effects are so hideous. I mean, it looks like someone threw together some kind of animation on, a, like, Microsoft Paint or something like that. And, I mean, the acting, uh, I think it's a bunch of, um, like, British people trying to do American accents or mm. Ireland, Irish people doing American accents. I can't really remember. But uh, the accents are so, like, you know, they're iffy. I mean, you can tell that someone's doing someone's doing an accent. They're not, you know, actually from America. 
but uh, it's just it's just so terrible. And the monster is like a big, you know, just a tall rubber looking thing. And uh, you know, like I said, it's straight to DVD from Apex, so you know what you're getting. But uh, it's pretty awful. Well, I've not had the pleasure. Is anyone else? Mm. No. What what year did you say it was from? Ninety five. Ninety five. Right. I see it here. Yeah, I'm just gonna have a look on IMDb and see. Hmm. How about you? I Ryan? saw it, but it's been a long time. I can barely remember it. I mostly just remember the cover art. Yeah, it's just get a, a picture, picture of the monster's face. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah, it was. It was made in the UK. Yes. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Filmed in the Forest of Dean. Oh, really? That's quite mm. close to where I live. Ah. Um, you should have been in it. I should have been. <laughs> the bastards didn't um, invite me. So, is there anything else you want to say about that uh, little turd? <laughs> <laughs> What? No, I mean, gross. Uh, <laughs> what? No, I mean, considering how bad it is, it's it's. I mean, it's very very awful. But uh, considering the two before it, I mean, it's that. Considering what my number two, my number one is, I mean, I would recommend it only on that strength. But other than that, no, I would avoid this one like the plague. Okay, right. Well, thank you, Joseph. Um. I was going to my number three, and it's I kind of went quite mainstream with my picks. And to be honest, I'm not entirely sure they're not the worst films, horror films in the world. They just happen to be films that I've watched recently, or apart from my number one, which is the worst film in the world. But um, the um, I've watched these fairly recently, and they just didn't hold up for me. And the um, my number three is Poltergeist Two. <gasps> um, <gasps> what? Let me let me have my say. Let me have my say. No, and then you come back. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was it yeah, stop I mean, interrupting it, me chuck yeah <laughs> um it, yeah basically i i really like the first poltergeist movie it's obviously you know a bit of a weird sort of step love child between steven spielberg and toby hooper but the the follow-up apart from the um the uh, the main villain who i thought was fantastic um i just thought it was such a soulless rehash of the first film um which you know it just didn't really work it didn't really work at all and it was it topped off with all that kind of um you know basically religious claptrap of kind of well the kind of the, the grandma turning up at the end floating in white angel wings you know and this kind of overblown special effects laden um ending and i thought there was a there was a good story in it you know with like the um uh, you know the the religious community that was um, you know basically killed by a, a, the mentalist um, you know sort of a, sort of um, vicar or whatever he was, but it just didn't it, you know it to me it was just um, you know the typical soulless you know crass remake um, well not remake sequel uh, and I thought it was pants so there you go but I presume you thought it was what pants pants pants. As it means rubbish. Rubbish. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. It's just uh, so, but I take it um, you three um, want to fall on the sword. Well, I don't think it's great or anything, mm. but if I were going to pick a Poltergeist movie, it would definitely be part three. Well, I haven't seen part three for <gasps> a long time. I like that one. I love all the Poltergeist Caroline, movies. Bruce, Bruce. <laughs> I mean, like I say, it's not. These aren't the worst films, but they, this is the apart from my number one, which I think is probably one of the worst films I've ever seen but um my number uh three and two my big number two are kind of films which you know i don't hate but i do think um uh you know are bad for a number of reasons and the ones i've seen recently so uh yeah so but i mean you know it's do you do you love this film do you think it's a fantastic film 
I think, well, I think it's good. I wouldn't okay. say fantastic, but I really enjoy it. Hmm. Um, yeah. oh. oh, boy. Here we go. Vibrating. <laughs> You're buzzing. Yeah. Did you well, like the bit where Craty Nelson takes his shirt off, no? Uh, no, but I can see why you, you might like that. I thought no, that... but I mean, the, the vomit monster is good fun. And I, li- I love the family ties, sha-la-la-la ending. I think it's cheesy enough to be entertaining. Mm. Um, yeah. I, and I do agree that Kane is, is a scary villain. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, he's the best thing in it, but he's just a shame mm. the movie isn't better. The movie yeah. is better than I think it could have been. It could have been really good. But uh, yeah, it was, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. It just didn't do it for me. It didn't stand up. I remember liking it when I saw it many years ago and I was quite excited but interested in watching it again and i watched it and i thought actually this isn't this really isn't very good at all so but that's obviously what can i say that's that's our opinions isn't it and um so i think um to underline (laughs) our opinions we should possibly go to our next thing which is he's a cat flush in the toilet 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 so Nathan, uh, that was the that was the a, the longer version of the cat, I believe. But yeah, um, I thought it sounded a bit ooh, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah it did. So, so Nathan, what's your uh, big number two? Uh, my number two is Birdemic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I love it. So don't get me wrong on that one. Of course, mm. I adore this movie, and I think it's fantastic in a bad way. But, I mean, if you look at the production values, it's pretty awful. It's got some of the worst CGI I've ever seen outside of Suburban Sasquatch. Um, I love the um, the birds in the movie. You know, they, there's one scene where our heroes have coat, wire, wire hangers, which is a big no-no. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, they all go outside and the birds attack them, I guess, so to speak. But really the attack is the birds just superimposed CGI on a screen with their wings flapping and our heroes swinging at the air uh, with the coat hangers. You know, I don't they don't actually hit one of the birds. You know, I guess that might, wasn't in the budget. I guess. And it's one of those movies where, you know, like they, they had, they didn't have good sound. So anytime the camera changed angles, you could hear the, the noise. Like you could mm. tell like the camera, you know, is when it switches angles, like the noise, the background noise doesn't match, mm. you know? So, you know, they, it's sort of like one of my movies, <laughs> you know, um, they had about the same kind of sound that I did when I made my films. Um, and I don't know, I just think that it's hilarious. And there's one scene where the, like, the hero, you know, he's in his office and they're talking about some, I don't know, some bonus that they're going to get or something. And the guy says something like, and we made a billion dollars. And then everybody starts clapping. And this clapping scene goes off for, like, minutes. It's like, okay, you know, you've clapped. I mean, how are your hands not red on by now, all this clapping? And at some point, the camera even cuts away, and you can tell they stop clapping and they're starting up again. I mean, you have to see it to know what I'm talking about, but mm. everybody should rush out immediately to see Birdemic. And like I said, I did choose it for this, but it doesn't mean I don't love it, because I do. I love it very, very dearly. It's mm. very close to my heart. Okay, well, I, I would agree agree with that. I think it's... um. It's it's interesting because isn't isn't he doing a sequel or hasn't he already filmed a sequel? And he said something about it, or yeah, and I can't wait. 
Well, it's kind of it's one of those things. It's difficult if is if you then start to try and second guess or create something by trying to do something purposely bad, which is essentially mm. what trauma movies are, aren't they? And they, you know, to my mind, they don't work. And sometimes the pure joy of bad horror movies is when someone thinks they're making a masterpiece and they're making something like Fatal Frames or, you know, that, that's yeah. that's when... Which I might have to pick Fatal Frames at some point for one of my Yay. picks. Yay! <gasps> uh, well, <laughs> yes, there, there, there is a Birdemic 2, The Resurrection, coming in 2012 and the IMDb has it listed under the categories of romance and thriller. Okay, right. Do you know the lead character in Birdemic is following us on Twitter? Exactly, yes, which may yeah. mean Who? he's listening to this. Hey, Alan. Rod, that plays Alan. Rod. Yeah. All oh, right, Bar. Alan Barr. Yeah, I see mm-hmm. him here. Okay. Well, I, 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 I loved Birdemic. I thought it was great fun. But um, how about you guys? Uh, yeah, uh, I like the way they use the latest uh, Commodore 64 technology for the CGI yeah. effects. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> great. Well, I just, yeah. I'd love to. I'd love to know what the actors and actresses thought because obviously, when they were doing all that kind of um, shake, you know, with the you know waving their arms, and um, <laughs> they must have been told we're going to put the birds in later, and they must have been expecting you know at least sci-fi channel. Uh, CGI mm. and uh, what they got was something very different but uh, yeah that was but I was fun. wondering when I was watching it was is it deliberately bad yeah I don't know I've never I've mm. kind of got the impression that he thought it was I think he's you know it's a bit like um, uh, what was the director of um, is it uh, of uh, Troll 2 you know he started oh, Claudio off, Fragresso. Yeah, yeah he started off thinking saying but this is not a masterpiece but this is supposed to be serious then when he realized everyone was laughing and he said oh well, actually it was supposed to be a joke all along but um mm. and so i do wonder if that's the same with uh Birdemic. but then of course you know it'd be interesting to see how the sequel works out but um i think it's a very worthy pick uh nathan so thank you for that anything else you want to say about Birdemic? um no i mean oh, there's way too much to say but you know yeah. i think i said the gist of it Okay, right. Well, a little bit of this for Eric. He's a cat. <coughs> Flushing the toilet, 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 he's a cat. Okay, Eric, what's your pick number two? Well, again, it's another controversial pick, I'd say, but it goes to Eli Roth's Cabin Fever, which is a film that came along in a blaze of hype, over here anyway. People were saying it was sort of the best horror film in decades, and I went to see it and I was expecting something really disturbing, kind of a mix of maybe the the flesh-eating virus aspect of Outbreak with the Cabin in the Woods uh, ethos of Evil Dead. And what I got was... uh, I just thought it was vastly overrated. I thought the indie style comedy inserts were really out of place and um, i remember I, I haven't seen it since i saw it in the cinema because i i disliked it that much but i remember there was a, a kid with a mullet doing sort of slow motion kung fu and i remember the wacky policeman and the obnoxious characters in the cabin um it, it reminded me a bit of another film i saw that i really disliked again i think is a controversial opinion but dead end that film with um uh, Lin Shay in it, and well, it's not a controversial opinion with me. I hated Dead End. I hated Dead End. It, it, that played as the surprise film at the Horathon in Dublin one year, and I just thought it was ghastly. I mean, it, and I think Cabin Fever suffers the same problem in that it, it's trying to be, it's trying to have that sort of indie movie quirky sensibility, and mm. <clears throat> it just filling the screen with sort of obnoxious characters, and there's not, there's nothing to grasp onto. There's no sort of, you know, realistic. Um, motivations or anything behind anything anyone does and uh, yeah I mean I don't I'm not a hater of Eli Roth by any means I mean I know it's quite easy to sort of slag him off but I quite like 
the two hostile films and I thought he was a welcome enough presence in Piranha 3D and, and Inglorious Bastards so I have nothing against him personally mm. but I just thought Cabin Fever um, probably because it came with so much hype I thought it was just it was just incredibly um, crap basically mm. now yes. maybe I need to see it again because as, as I said I've only, I only saw it once and that was back in was it 2004 2005 when it came out mm. um, so maybe I need to give it another chance but I, I remember I just absolutely hated it at the time Okay, right. Well, how about you uh, guys? What about you, Nathan? Are you, you a fan of Cabin Fever? I am. I really enjoyed Cabin Fever. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. What about you, Joseph? Yeah, uh, when I saw it at the theater, you know, I, I kind of liked it. When I saw it again on video, I didn't really care much for it. I thought it was, you know, like Eric said, you know, a lot of the comedy was really obnoxious and out of place. And uh, it had some good scenes and stuff that I liked. But uh, I don't know. I thought the characters were dumb. I mean, that whole, like, where she's shaving her legs, even though she knows that she has this kind of flesh-eating virus attached to her. I mean, what, what is up with that? I don't get that. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I just, I don't know. It, it's not a movie. I don't hate it, but I'll, I'll never go out of my way to watch it ever again. Well, what about the sequel? No, I haven't seen it, and I'm not interested. I wasn't mad. I thought the sequel was an improvement, but I still didn't like it, because, again, I thought the it had that quirky indie humour thing that I don't like. Well, it's kind of weird with the sequel, because it's um, Ty West, isn't it, who did mm. um, The Innkeepers and The House of the Devil. But is, is, cause isn't Cabin Fever 2 even more sort of over-the-top, gory, which isn't what House of the Devil or um, Innkeepers is like at all, is it? No, it's complete. Yeah, it's complete stylistic departure from his other films. Mm. Yeah, because The Innkeepers is another film I watched uh, recently. I got that on Blu-ray, um, mm. and although it's an incredibly slow burn, um, I, do, I I really like that, that film, and I like House of the Devil as well, which again is incredibly mm. slow burn. So I just kind of I couldn't really get my head around how somebody like Ty West, who made two films where not very much happens really at all, um, to making some kind of a you know high gore sequel, but. Uh, but um, but yeah, just my my thoughts. So I'll just very quickly, uh, exactly like yours, Eric. I went to see it at the cinema, expecting something completely different, because it was sold as a horror movie, as in a, mm. a scary horror movie, wasn't it? It was kind of uh, it was the, it was hyped up as this kind of um, uh, you know like a scary movie. And when I went to see it, it was a horror comedy and a kind of gross out horror comedy, and it was completely not what I was expecting at all, and it was completely missold. Um, mm, that's what and, I thought, yeah. And it, that, that's why it kind of I I would I didn't you know I think that's why I was prejudiced against it because it was completely not the movie I paid um, you know however many pounds to go and watch at the cinema so uh, so yes a very valid number two um, and Joseph I'll give you a little bit of he's a cat flushing the toilet 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 he's a cat okay what's your number two. Uh, my number two is from 1986. It's called Gourmet Zombie Chef from Hell, and that's mm. G-O-R-E-M-E-T. See the pun there? Mm. Um, this is basically grade Z. I mean, I wouldn't even give it that. It's grade Z, grade whatever comes after Z. There's got to be something. They can invent something. It's schlock. It's basically this guy. He's a cannibal, you know, in like 1386 or 1385. And he gets this curse put on him, and he sleeps. I think he's, I can't really remember, but I think he sleeps for 600 years, and he wakes up in 1986. So, and after the curse has been lifted, but I think one of the stipulations is that he has to keep, you know, feeding on blood or 
to you know sustain himself. So he opens a seafood restaurant and basically kills and cooks people to kind of uh, serve to his customers. I don't get that because I know he had to eat them to survive. I think, but I think mm-hmm. people accidentally eat these people and then it like gets the word gets out there and now his restaurant's a hit and it kind of sounds like a com- comedy and I guess it, in a way it is, but uh, it's not really funny. I mean, it's so awful. It's so dull, and I mean, it's basically you know people standing in one room through the whole movie, and it's like uh, someone will be standing there, the main character who's the cannibal, he'll stand there, and then someone else will walk into that room and say, "Hi, Goza, how are you doing? Oh, I am doing well. Would you like something to eat? Yes, I am hungry." And it goes on and on, and they wear these really gaudy Hawaiian shirts, and the the fashions are just hideous. I mean, not even in a good like Eric kind of way. Uh, it's so boring. I think the best thing about this film, <laughs> the well, best thing about this film is the weird, uh, yeah, the weird uh, VHS artwork. It's got the the rubber hand, like the prop gag, like hand, like mm. being cut off, severed, uh, garnished with a bunch of like uh, seasons and spices. But uh, wow, this is this is a really really abysmal film. I've not seen it. Be warned. Yeah. yeah. Eric, have you had the pleasure? No, never seen it. Never even heard of it until uh, Joseph mentioned it earlier in the week. Yeah. What about you, uh, Nathan? Have you seen it? I've, I've wanted to see it, but I just haven't watched it yet. Mm, okay. Well, again, we are, you know, um, consider yourself pre-warned. So it's probably not a film I'm going to rush out to, um, to see. <laughs> but is there anything else you want to tell us about Gourmet? Check from hell? Uh... I've always wondered if uh, Gourmet from Alt Horror got his name from this. He insists he didn't, but I think he did. Did he? Okay. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> he would probably hate hate to hear that. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of where uh, well not where uh, myself and uh, Joseph met, but we used to do go on the Alt Horror uh, news groups way way back in the Mister Time. Um, in the nineties, late nineties. Yeah, they're still going, aren't they? I haven't been, haven't looked them up. For I ages. got on there like three years ago. Yeah. And, there's like a couple of people. I think uh, who is it? Oh, it was Wal- Walpurgis, Wal- I think is his Wal- name. Is that yeah. how you pronounce it? Yeah. I, I think I might have seen him. It's one of those regulars that I saw in the '90s were still there. Yeah. But it's pretty. Desolate. I was on there back then, and y'all just ignored me. Don't think oh. I've forgotten that. <laughs> who are you again? Uh, I think I don't remember what my name was on there now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but kind of... Joseph, actually, and I, and I remember this very clearly, Joseph was a smart-ass to me, too. And this is before I actually knew him in person. He was known as the new flesh back then. That's and right. I said something, and he came back with a very rude, smart-ass answer. Ooh. Well, well, the thing was, it was like the um, those news groups were a bit like the old, um, you know, Wild West, weren't they? They were completely, you know, there was, it was flame wars and trolls and all sorts of things going on all the time. Yeah, so. I made the mistake of saying, uh, I won't be around for a while, I'm having family issues, and then people pretty much, you know, ripped me to shreds. A bunch, mm. bunch of those wrestling trolls that used to be on there. Yeah, Smiley. Yeah, I was not one of them. Smiley, yeah, Smiley. Yeah. You, Eric, you, you never, did you ever go on those the groups? Uh, no, no, I didn't have internet at home until a few years after that, so right, I would have okay. I would have had to do it at work, which would have been unethical. Not to keep course. the not to keep the uh, off-topic subject going, but I I get a kick out of these trolls. I mean, who spends like eight to twelve hours a day just constantly, you know, tormenting these these news groups and stuff? Just, I mean, what's what's the point? I mean, that is like a tremendous waste of time. Well, it's kind of my favorite. Um, oh, sorry, Justin. No, carry on, carry on. I was just going to say my favorite was on the news group. I posted once um, 
about how I hate when the you know you you were in the video store and you'd read the back of a VHS box and it gives away the whole movie in the ending. You know, like there was one. Uh, Sleepaway Camp Part 3, I believe, you know, basically tells you who the final girl is and what happens at the end. So mm-hmm. I made a topic like, you know, uh, does any other VHS do this? And then somebody responded to me with like, well, unlike you, I don't stand like a moron in a video store and read the back of boxes. And I'm like, so what do you do? Do you just look at the cover and take them up to the counter? Like, oh, the cover of this looks good. So it's, <laughs> but, um, after that, you and Joseph were firm friends, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was probably you, New Flesh. Yeah. Pod, no, actually, it couldn't have been me. I always read the covers, so that wasn't me. But um, well, it just reminds me running. of... Yeah. Well, it's still going on, isn't it? I mean, you get this, there was a story in the paper um, in Britain about this um, uh, young bride-to-be who was being tormented by this stalk- online stalker sending her kind of like... Um, uh, you know, coming across like Serial Mom with like kind of pussy willow text and things like that. And um, she eventually traced it, and it was her fiance who was sending it to her <laughs> in, the, in the same wow. house. And um, and uh, he was outed as being the her stalker, even though he was living with her. Oh so, which That's is weird. bizarre, isn't it? But yeah. uh, there you go. So, uh, but yes, well, I'm sure we'll come back and talk about um, alt horror. And of course, um, maybe if you um, we'll get to feedback a little bit later. But if you're an old um, alt horror flame, then uh, let us know. Um, but um, I'm just going to move on now to my. Number two. He's a cat. Flesh in the toilet, 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 he's a cat. Well, with my number two, it's a case of being uh, careful for what you wish for, which, um, and the reason for that is for many, many years, uh, myself and many other people were hoping that Dario Argento would finish his Three Mothers trilogy, and obviously Suspiria. Uh, came out in was it 77 and Inferno in 1980 so it was a long wait for him to finish the Three Mothers trilogy and and then in the last few years we got what we hoped for except we didn't get what we hoped for we got Mother of Tears which um, you know we're talking about uh, George Romero um, sort of uh, you know a fall from grace uh, but um, if anyone's fallen harder and much much harder it's probably Dario Argento who you know and I hate to say this because I love Dario Argento's movies you know you know a lot of his earlier movies up until Phenomena and Opera I think are fantastic but um, but you know and I hate to say this but he is a bit of a laughing stock now um, and uh, the three mothers, um, you know, sorry, the, um, uh, you know, the, the um, well, this sequel, the, the close to the three mothers trilogy, uh, the mother of tears was, you know, is, is a, you know, there's bits of it I like, but it's cheap. It's nasty. Um, it's better than Jalo from what I hear. And I still can't bring myself to see that. And it's probably better than um, Dracula 3D. But I thought um, it was, you know, I'd, to be honest, I'd much rather he hadn't made this movie and we just left us with Suspiria Inferno and um, had we could have actually conjured up a third part in our minds. But um, uh, Dario Argento, unfortunately, kind of spoilt it to some degree. He won't spoil those movies ever, but, um, but you know, he basically, you know, finished the trilogy with a turd, as far as I'm concerned. So, so my number two, quite literally, is Dario Argento's Mother of Tears. Um, any dissenting views or... I found it entertaining. I do agree that it is bad, and I'm astounded that he didn't even try to replicate the look of Suspiria and Inferno, which have a very distinctive feel to them. Mm. But um, I wasn't expecting anything, you know, after things like the card player. 
yeah. and Phantom of the Opera, I knew that Mother of Tears wasn't going to be anything more than what it turned out to be. So I wasn't disappointed, I have to mm. say. I think he was hampered a little bit by the budget, obviously, that mm. um, if he had a bigger budget, he could have done more with it. But mm. I just, yeah, it was just a, such a missed opportunity. And I don't, what? it's almost, he doesn't have any faith in his own talent anymore. Um, what do you think of his depiction of goth culture? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's just ridiculous. You know, you're going from, you know, in, in Inferno, the Mother of Tears is played, I can't remember her name, but this very beautiful kind of ethereal looking model with very startling blue eyes. And mm. um, in, in, it's Inferno and in the Mother of Tears, she's, you know, this kind of, this bimbo with, um, you know, plastic boobs. Mm. You know, and it's just bizarre. I just don't understand unless he really dislikes the genre um he's doing this on purpose i don't know you know it's strange but um how about you uh, joseph and nathan what are you any any great love for mother of tears i haven't seen i it. don't <laughs> i don't really actually remember i watched it and mm. i thought it, you know i thought it was boring and i thought it was like a, a not a fitting part of that whole trilogy and so i've pretty much forgotten it okay okay well well there, there you go so i mean that's our number twos and of course if those are our number twos, now we're going to get on to the real crud. Uh, so, Nathan, what has made your number one uh, top shit list? I don't think I'm actually alone with my number one. I um, think it's shared by at least a few of you guys. Um, the worst movie in the world is Night of Horror. Like, I have never, ever seen another movie that's come close to being as bad as this movie. And it's problem is it is unbelievably boring i mean i i can't i mean i tried to watch it with uh, my friend melissa and she was asleep in like 10 minutes like i had to actually wake her up so we could watch something else it's that bad but you know i mean it, it's just like four people i mean they go on a camping trip and the box if you look at the vhs box makes it look like it's going to be a zombie movie or something hmm. and yeah these zombies show up but they don't do much but just stand there and talk to them for a couple of minutes and then they go on their merry way i mean mm. there's and it's really bad uh sound picture um and there's at one point there's like a piece of black tape or something on the camera lens that stays there for like i don't know 20 30 minutes and like nobody bothered to even like look for i guess or even notice when they're filming the movie Hmm. And there just seems to be really long scenes of nothing happening, like, like I don't know, ten minutes of an RV driving down the road, or you know, ten minutes of uh, a conversation in a basement that looks like it's supposed to be a bar. But I mean, the conversation is just so boring. It's 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 really 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 bad. Hmm. I've not seen it. I, I must admit, it's, um, <laughs> so. Oh God, Justin, you're missing out on the worst movie you'll ever watch. That should be a rite of passage. Everyone that, who uh, calls themselves a horror fan should at least watch this once. I should watch it up. once. Have it, I, and who else has made it the number one? Was it you, Joseph? Yes. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about it now, or do you want to talk about it? Um, we might as well talk about it now, aren't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll go ahead. I mean, yeah. he's not kidding. I mean, this is the worst movie ever. It's not just the worst horror film ever made. It's the worst movie ever made. I mean, it is so bad. I mean, that scene where they're in the in the makeshift bar that's actually a basement. You know, if you're going to you know focus on this mundane conversation about, I, I think it was something about how this one guy wants this other guy to be in a band again because they were like, you know, they were just you know big and 
famous back in the day. But if you're going to focus on this totally mundane conversation for 10 minutes, you know, you could probably focus on their faces. All you see is their backs, like leaning against the bar, like sitting on a bar stool. And it's the back of their heads, like you can hear them like, and that's how the sound is. I mean, it's so muffled. And, you know, like Nathan said, the, probably the best actor in the film is that piece of tape that gets stuck to the camera. I think I think I read that it was on there for like 23 minutes before it finally disappeared. Well, wow. I mean, basically, these people drive, they get in this RV and they drive into the woods and there's like these Confederate soldiers, zombie like thing. And they're standing in like like some kind of floodlight and they're like, we're dead. And then they just walk away and then they're like, oh, OK. And then they just go camping anyway. I mean. It's so awful. I mean, I dare anyone to watch this that hasn't. I dare them. And there's like the scene because the main guy um, has a crush on um, one of the women that they're camping with. (laughs) And like, here's what's so stupid. The Confederate soldiers, the dead ones, show up and like they're like, yeah, we're dead. And then there's like 10 minutes of stock war footage that we're forced to sit through. And then um, I guess they're trying to say that their captain is in is not resting because his head is separated from his body. So the group of uh, campers, I guess, have to like reunite the head with the body. And it turns out one of the women in a past life was the um, the uh, the general or whoever. It was his wife. And our main guy, upon learning this, um, he gets jealous because he likes her now. And they find the skull, and the main guy's narrating it, and he looks at the skull, and he's like, I was filled with jealousy. He had her first. <laughs> what the hell is that? And not, not, not only that, but this, this main guy who likes this girl, she looks like a slapped ass. And she's so ugly. God, she looks like Olive Oil's like ugly duckling sister. Is, it, is this the film that's got, is it Jamie Gillis in it? Is it the porn actor? No, no. Oh, no. no. It's got no one... Even remotely famous. famous. Right. And there's like one scene where she actually reads an entire Edgar Allan Poe story on camera. I I mean, like, you know, you just have to sit there and you listen to her, and she's got such a monotone voice. I mean, oh, God. I mean, and what's crazy is what Joe and I have just talked about. That's the whole movie. That's it. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else to it. Nathan, if you, uh, sorry, Eric, if you had the pleasure. I have had the pleasure, yes. And I was considering putting it at number one myself, but because Joseph and Nathan were, were putting it at number one, I, I went for something different. But it, I, it is as awful as they say. Mm-hmm. I mean, we say the biggest crime is for a film to be boring, and boy, is this boring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Unbelievably so. And the thing is, <clears throat> it gets a big write up in um, Stephen Thrower's book, Nightmare USA, mm. and he manages to defend it. What? what? Yes. How does it? What's he saying? What's, I can't recall exactly what he was saying, but he um, he does sort of say it has some redeeming features. I couldn't find any myself. I mean, that opening scene you say where they're sitting in the bar, which is someone's basement. I mean, the camera doesn't even move. It's just one continuous sort of shot of the two men at the bar with, with their muffled voices. Um, yeah, and then there's lots. I remember lots of um, scenes of ghostly Confederate soldiers just giving monologues that are really, really dull. Well, Stephen Throw Pillow sounds like a uh, a class guy if he likes this film. <laughs> Did it get a release in the UK and Ireland? Um, I don't recall. Hmm. No. no. There's also so many scenes where the RV's like you know after it breaks down, 
in the woods or wherever they are or at the battleground. Like one, like for one second, it's like daytime and then it's nighttime and then it's daytime again and then it's nighttime <laughs> again. <laughs> yeah. Oh God. And what about um, you know the the whole thing is uh, their RV is supposed to have broken down in the road and they're all sitting there, you know, I guess kind of in silence and then all of a sudden everybody just jumps forward and then like it's like a five seconds later you hear the brake slam. So it's like, <laughs> they didn't even time that right. Yeah. It sounds like uh, it could have been made by Doris Wishman, but it right. wasn't. Was it Was it funny at all? Uh, no. Really, no. It's, if you watch it, you're going to be so bored. It's, it's not enough to find funny. I mean, we're kind of laughing about it now, but I mean... It's not. It's not even funny. It's. It's just really, really bad and boring. Right. See, so yeah, well. this is the thing, though. I. You hear a lot of these people like. Oh, I saw this movie called. Um, I don't know. Name something kind of like the Stepfather Two, and I thought it was one of the worst movies ever made. And anyone who says stuff like that needs to sit down and watch this, and then they can never say anything as silly like that ever again. Hmm. Although I'm looking at the IMDb listing for it now, and the latest user review has given it nine out of ten. Somebody called, be a joke. somebody called tra- Trauma Freak from Tallahassee in Florida. Yeah, yeah. it's Trauma Freak. Then um, they are mm. they already yes. handicapped, aren't they, when it comes to making... Uh, true, true. Yes. So. <laughs> right, well, oh, thank you. The, the director actually did go on to edit two movies that I actually liked, uh, Nightmare Sisters and Mutant Species. So I guess he had some kind of career. Good for you, Tony Malinowski. I don't know how, but somehow... Right, well, that's Night of Horror. So, well, thank you for bringing that into our lives. Um, Eric, what's your number one? Okay, my number one, I don't know if you've seen it, is a film called Creature of Darkness. Now, the the only reason I, I rented this from the video shop was because I feel guilty a lot of the time that I don't watch a lot of sort of modern stuff. I mean, I see the bigger films get released in the cinema, but when it comes to straight to video, I sort of, I'm not watching as much as I should. So I rented this one out and it just reinforced my theory that all modern horror is shite. I'm sorry. Um, okay. That's a sweeping statement. There is a lot of good stuff out there, but this really, really sort of, um, put me in a bad mood. It's really boring. It's about, um, some kids who go out into the desert in these sort of, um, little go-kart things to have a weekend away and they encounter an alien. And that's all the plot there is to it. Um, it's really, really boring. It star actually, it stars Devin Sawa, who are, if that's how you pronounce his name, he was in the first final destination. He was the, the hero as such. And he was in idle hands as well, which are both films I really liked. Um, but in this one, he's, piled on the weight, kind of in me style uh, and he looks kind of like uh, chubby Corey Haim. Um, it's, uh, all the characters in it are dislikable, which again is a, a problem with a lot of these films. Uh, it has all the production, it, it, it has better production values, I'll give it the Night of Horror or um, Night to Dismember, but I mean, it does look like a sci-fi movie. There's, you know, odd bits of CGI. There's a nice rubbery monster for close-ups, but for, for sort of long shots, it's really, really dodgy CGI that's only slightly above, you know, birdemic levels. Um, and there's absolutely crap spaceship effects sort of towards the end of the film. And it, it, The problem with the film is not the effects, though. It's just that it's really, really boring. It's all set in one location uh, and there's no sort of variety. And it's filled with, uh, apart from uh, the chubby Corey Haim lookalike, it's filled with uh, generic, you know, Los Angeles types who all look the same. All the girls look the same. All the guys look the same. And I was just bored to tears. And it goes on for an hour and a half. Um, so Creature of Darkness, it's called, from 2009. I would avoid it. 
Okay, well, considered uh, warned. Because I did wonder what happened to Devon Sawa, because he just kind of vanished, didn't he? But mm, yeah, no, he was, he was really good in those two films, I thought, Idle Hands and Final Destination. So. But he sounded like mm. he, was just, he, he went somewhere and ate some pies. Mm, he did. Mm. <laughs> yes. So um, how about you, t- you two? Have you seen the film? No. No. No, no it's not what I think. But I think Creature of Darkness might be a... Um, uh, I think it might be an Asylum release oh, I think. oh well, that would, so that would explain things mm. Mm. let me have a look and see uh, well, just what you I'm not that, 100% just, yeah. sure but mm. I, think, I, think, I think I've heard of it and I think it was an asylum film I think but, there are uh, some good there, there are good films being made now aren't there sort of there are there are I, I apologise for that sweeping statement I mean when I think of things like um, Lake Mungo and and mm. You know, stuff the stuff that isn't getting theatrical releases is still really good. But I'm referring to sort of just the generic stuff you might find in the local mm. video shop. I mean, a lot of it is dross. And there, I think the problem is that there's so much stuff. I mean, yes. there's still the same amount of good material coming out, but there's just a lot more trash coming out, and it's harder to find the good stuff. So one thing, I, one film I did forget to mention. I think I mentioned it on uh, the Body Count Continues um, uh, uh, sort of uh, web forums. Is is um, the newish film Absentia or um, All right, which, yeah. Which is really worth seeing. Have you, if any of you, watched that yet? No, it's on Netflix. So uh, I mean, it's it's one I really want to watch. Uh, I know it's on Netflix Instant, so I really need to get around to it. Mm. Absentia. Absentia. So yeah. I thought okay. it was absentia. It might be I absentia. Yeah. Well, no, no. See, I pronounce words the way they're spelled, so I'll remember them. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's definitely worth watching because that's a kind of late Mungo esque, and that was done with oh, Kickstarter sure. campaign. Um, so it was done, you know, p- people helped fund it and it's, I thought it was, you know, it's very low budget, but it's really well done. I thought, so that's like a recommend it's a slow burn, but, um, quite mm. very creepy, uh, sort of film. So there is kind of talent out there. Um, but, uh, did you find if it was an asylum picture? Uh, I didn't, I, 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 I couldn't find any information about it being an asylum picture now. Eric, Go is on. the monster in that movie, is it like a Cloverfield ripoff thing? No, it reminds me more of, um... What's that film? Is it um, Slithus or something like that? Okay. That kind of rubbery monster. Hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm looking at a picture of uh, Devin Sawa now. Wow, he's he's really ballooned up, hasn't he? Yeah. Hmm. Well, so um, poor Devin and poor Russ for having to watch these films. But um, I'll just quickly uh, do my number one. And I uh, one of my favorite films of all time, horror films of all time, is uh, very unslasher-esque, but it's the 1963 adaptation of The Haunting. Um, of, I think it's Shirley Jackson's movie, uh, sorry, book, The Haunting of Hill House. And it's a masterclass of, um, by the director of Sound of Music, bizarrely, but a masterclass intention and um, unseen menace with uh, lots of uh, shots of door handles turning very, very slowly and lots of banging. Um, so it's partly because they probably couldn't afford... Uh, really flashy special effects partly because it was made at a time when there wasn't CGI but it was the remake they uh, did in 1999 of The Haunting and I still remember going to see that cinema because The Haunting has always been one of my favourite films and I remember watching it with my my, you know my parents back when I was younger and it's it always stayed with me and it stands it really stands up now but The Haunting was the most bloated um, horrendous kind of remake that I've ever seen. I think it even worse than the Prom Night remake. 
exactly because it was just it took something that was very artful a bit like with halloween the halloween remake took something that's very artful very effective very kind of streamlined uh and turned it into you know the the most you know it's basically something that was uh, arranged over a very uh, coke fueled binge in hollywood to sort of you know like a, a boozy lunch and they decided right well let's let's add loads of cgi ghosts and let's throw loads of money at this and of course what he ended up with was a completely unscary movie which was just a special effects showcase um and it was like a disney you know a ride at disneyland uh and yeah i, I just thought it was you know for all its all for, for its big budget for its for its um big name stars for its kind of cgi you know it's essentially a soulless hack remake um and i hated it so that's my number one worst movie of all time um any opinions on that only in agreement yes and that was definitely my worst cinematic experience because it was full of kids who just um weren't concentrating on the screen and i don't blame them and they were talking and sort of running up and down the aisles you know not giving a shit about anyone else in the cinema but it didn't it was the one occasion where I, it just didn't bother me because the film was so bad i didn't care mm-hmm. i liked it Oh, of course nice. you did. <laughs> did you really? No, I prefer the original, of course, yeah. because I think the original does a lot more with less. Mm. You know, less is more. But, I mean, I liked the remake, too. I thought, you know, it was visually entertaining. But it wasn't scary, was it? There was nothing... No, was, no. I didn't find it to be very scary, but... Mm. How about you, I Joseph? I still enjoyed it. I don't really remember it. I saw it when it came out on video, but mm. it just kind of slipped my mind. Well, it's, I haven't seen it for thirteen. I didn't, you know, I haven't watched it since I saw it at cinema, which was thirteen years ago. And I still remember um, sitting there with my friend Laura, and we just looked at each other. And especially, I think there was a scene in it where somebody's eyes behind a painting move and look around, which is so Scooby Doo. In a, it could have been fun, but we just looked at each other and just thought, "Wow, this is a real turd." But, uh, <laughs> but yes, those. Well, those are our turds. They are our um, worst um, non-slasher horror movies. And I, I'm sorry, Nathan. I won't talk any more about poos or turds or. I don't. Um, I just think like that, that word is very funny. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> well, from one turd onto another, or is it? Um, we are going to move on to the feature presentation, and uh, we have a very special feature for you this time. And the the trailer for this film is almost as long as the film itself. So I have edited it down a little bit. But this is the trailer for A Night to Dismember. What are you afraid of? You're perfectly safe here. Do I scare you? (laughs) But then, the way the world is today, how can anyone be perfectly sure of being perfectly safe anywhere? Even in the cemetery. I'm going to take you on a journey. A journey of terror. As I describe a new movie. This movie will destroy the myths of all horror films. It will be an experience that will have its audience asking itself what has gone wrong in the world today. This film is called... A night to dismember. And it all takes place here, near Woodmire Lake. Late one night, a disfigured stranger appeared at the door, beckoning Mary Kent, the family's only daughter, out into the night. 
this alien creature took possession of Mary's mind, of Mary's heart, and of her body until Mary Kent became a child with special powers to destroy. Destroy those who cause you pain. I hate them. I wish they were dead. A knife to dismember will cheat your blood with scenes of raw psychological terror. Mary's frenzied behavior throws her quiet home life into shock. The once peaceful, loving family atmosphere is turned into a tense battlefield of threats and recriminations. Until one night, as they lie helplessly asleep, Mary murdered her entire Vicky Kent is released from the asylum after being committed in 1981 after brutally butchering two local boys. Fast forward to 1986, Vicky's released into the care of her parents, much to the disgust of her brother and sister who want her sent back to the asylum pronto. However, is Vicky sane or still insane? And why are voices coming out of her hatbox? Gory murders, ugly couches, close-ups of walking feet and trippy visuals make this a night to d- dismember. Um, a night to dismember, how can I describe this film? Um, well, it depends whether you've, whether you've ever seen a Doris Wishman film uh, before. Doris Wishman is um, is a kind of one-of-a-kind director. Um, she's actually a woman. She must have been, I think she was over 70 when she directed this movie, or maybe she, maybe she wasn't over 70, but she was certainly middle-aged uh, woman when she directed this movie. She's probably best known for the Chesty Morgan Deadly Weapon movies, which are, Chesty Morgan, if you don't know, was a model with massive bazungas. Um, and in one of the films, I think it was either Secret Agent, was it 69? Um, uh, she uses, she, I think she uses, um, Ivo um, takes photos with her nipples or uses the gums or whatever. I can't remember, I haven't seen them for a long time. Um, and so Doris Wishman kind of made these, uh, you know, is famous for making nudie films. Uh, kind of, I guess, a contemporary of Herschel Gordon Lewis making those kind of movies. And um, A Night to Dismember was her attempt at ringing, uh, basically making a horror movie in, in, um, in the wake of the huge financial success of Halloween. And it was made or started in 1979. And what Doris Wishman did, and this is why, again, if you've seen the film, the trailer is very different from the film because what she used to do was make the trailer first to sell the film. And uh, so a lot of what's in the trailer is not actually in the finished film because um, uh, 60 or sort of 40 or 60 percent of the film was destroyed by a disgruntled employee at some um, at some photo lab. So she was stuck with a film which is already probably pretty bad and um, and then had to finish it with no money. And so what she did was put in loads of outtakes and bits taken from some of her other movies and bits taken from the trailer and added all together into the most, well, you know, basically uh, complete and utter mindfuck. But bizarrely, uh, I, we're talking about bad movies. I mean, this is, an, you know, technically it's, an, it's a pretty awful mu- movie. Uh, you can probably hear from some of the things in the beginning. Um, it's completely mismatched. The music cuts in and out. Um, it's, you know, it's very, very cheap, but it's almost hypnotic in its badness. Um, I, it's by any stretch of the imagination, you cannot call this a good movie, but there's something, it's so atrocious 
that it actually enters onto a different plane, I think, of consciousness almost, and it becomes almost art, I think, um, bizarrely. Uh, uh, it, you know, it, it's just bizarre. It's just a, it's the strangest film. It makes no sense whatsoever. And I had to watch it. I've watched it three times, and I still don't really understand what's going on. Essentially, there's. I don't think there was any sound um, uh, films, so all of the voices sound like they've been done by two different people and they use a kind of 1940s um detective as a kind of a wraparound uh, voiceover um investigating these murders uh it, it's yeah it's it's bizarre it's i you know i've just been interested to hear what you guys um think about it um eric what were your thoughts on the hat box <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines the voice was coming from the hat box um <laughs> Yeah, this is my introduction to Doris Wishman. I'd never seen any of her other films uh, before. And like you, I had to watch it multiple times to sort of get to grips with it because there are parts of it I was like, what? Who? Who's that? What's going on? Um, I mean, it has flaws for sure. And you have to kind of keep in mind that she lost 40% of the film. Um, so she had to kind of piecemeal it together and try and make it into a coherent uh, narrative if possible. Um, she doesn't succeed, but at least she tried. Uh, I mean, there are some good points. For starters, there's a scene where a figure comes out of a lake um, dressed kind of like a zombie, I suppose. Uh, and I thought that was really effective. It reminded me of, of you know, a, it's a Euro horror type scene, maybe something that Jean Roland would, would do. Uh, I thought that was quite effective. I like the psychedelic imagery as well towards the end where both Mary and Vicky are having sort of meltdowns or, or nightmares uh, and you get these kind of uh, psychedelic screensaver type effects superimposed on the action. It's kind of like a, a you know, 25p version of the Stargate sequence from 2001. Um, I mean, there are some bad points, to be fair. Um, just just I mean, a couple. Uh, just a couple. I mean, but I mean, the bad points do it's lend it a certain, um, you know, uniqueness. I suppose. I mean, the narration uh, is constant throughout the film. I mean, I think it's about seven or eight minutes before we actually hear a character on screen speak some dialogue. For the majority of the time, we see their lips flapping, but all we don't hear what they're saying. Either it's narrated or. Um, it, it's just ignored. There's just that constant library music in the background, which again is a, it's another thing that's really bad, but quite um, endearing is the use of music in the film. It's at times incredibly inappropriate. There's a scene where Mary comes back to the house for the first time, or Vicky, sorry, comes back to the house for the first time after being released from the hospital. And I think it's supposed to be tense because Mary and Billy are looking out and scheming about what they can do to send her back to the hospital but it's all underscored with, with what sounds like uh, cheesy Bob Eubank type um, game show music. Um, and then there's another scene where Vicky is having a tender moment with Frankie, who was her boyfriend before she was committed. And that's the music playing underneath that sounds like World War II action sequence music, uh, you know. And I've, one of the things actually about the film that really made me laugh is I wonder, is it possible to die by accidentally falling on an axe? Does anyone know? Can you accidentally yeah. fall in an axe? Well, that must be the, the most unlucky murderess, mustn't it? You, you had to yeah. your younger sister, although she looked older, um, with an axe. And then you, as you're leaving the bathroom, you slip. And not only on you axe. saddled with possibly the worst wig, most unconvincing yeah. wig ever worn, you fall <laughs> on your own axe. I mean, Even worse than Jamie Lee's in Halloween 2. I think it was. Well, listen, yeah. I don't like, think that's a bad wig. No, neither do I, in fairness. Neither do I. What, you think it's a real, <laughs> real hair? 
I actually cooked. thought it was her real hair until y'all said it was a wig, and I went back and rewatched, and I was like, oh, uh, yeah, that is that is a wig, actually. Because <laughs> if it's not a wig, she has, like, about a sort of two-centimetre-high forehead. It just kind of, like, <laughs> it kind of looked like it slipped forward. It was like a bad wig. Um, and she looks like she's about 12 as well, so they've just kind of... Doris had obviously brought in her uh, her niece or something to, to do that. But um, I've just got the little clip here of the hat box. Oh, cool. Uh, just... Boys seem to be coming from the hat box. Yes. I mean, it's not, it's not a line you hear every day, is it? It's not a line you hear every no. day. Um, there's some good gore in it as well, actually. In fairness, I mean, it's it's quite crude. Well, it's very crude to be fair. And I don't think I don't think um, Tom Savini will be losing any sleep. But um, there certainly is plenty of gore. Uh, what lets it down slightly is the impact shots. I mean, somebody is sort of lightly tapped with an axe, and it creates this gushing wound. Hmm. Um, or they're sort of slightly a crest with a machete on the neck and their head flies off. Um, it's, it's quite funny. I mean, as you say, it is. there's something hypnotic about it, even though it's not a very good film. I don't think it's one I'd be returning to after, um, you know, watching it several times for, for this uh, review. But uh, I suppose it, it. I would put it on a par with something like, you know that film Axe from the 70s? Yeah. Axe is probably a film with, with more narrative cohesion, but it has that sort of, it has this sort of random... Um, make it up as we go along type feel to it as well mm. um, but I mean I didn't I, did, I can't say I hated um, A Night to Dismember and I think the title is fantastic yes. um, uh, but again I, I you'd want to you'd want to be sort of um, well used to bad movies when you approach this one because uh, if this is your first taste of um, you know grade Z movies then I think you will get quite a nasty shock Yes, you yeah, should go in. Yeah. You should be pre-warned. Um, yes. And, uh, how about you, uh, Nathan? Had you seen The Night to Dismember before? Uh, I had seen it before, but it had been a really long time ago. Mm. Um, rewatching it again, I, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Um, you know, like y'all said, the music had me cracking up. I mean, there's just music where it's supposed to be a tense scene, but like uh, Eric said, it sounds like a game show or something. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And I love yeah. the narrator who seems to think that the audience are morons because there's a scene where, you know, say Vicky, she is standing by water and all of a sudden the narrator comes on and says, Vicky decided to go to the lake. Well, well no <laughs> shit. I mean, <laughs> she's standing right there, of course. And then when the zombie's coming out of the lake, he says something like, and then something comes out of the lake. <laughs> well, yet again, yeah, we can tell that. Um, and I love um, her striptease for him where she has her oh, leg yeah. up in the air and she's like kind of playing. It looks like she's playing her leg like it's a guitar. <laughs> and she's got uh, dirty feet as well, isn't she? Which is yeah. makes, makes it even less erotic. Yeah. She is what, sorry? Dirty feet. Oh, yes. yeah. 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 And then the, there's the dinner scene where she's oh, acting crazy hilarious. at dinner. Oh, with I love it. Yeah. And for one, though, first of all, what the hell kind of a family dinner is that? It's like a plate of cheese, a plate of ham, and a plate of loaf bread. I'm like, gee, thanks for putting the work in, Mom. <laughs> I mean, why, why, why couldn't they just make their own sandwiches? Like, it's like the mom took the time to put each thing on a plate. Here you go. Here's dinner. Um, but her, like, I love the lead girl, Vicky's acting. I mean, she's so, like, over the top with it. 
And the victims in this movie have all the urgency of a snail when somebody's coming at them with an axe. I love the fact that, um, you know, especially at the end, like with the um, the guy, I guess, uh, the cab driver. Hmm. Uh, and, and like this happens very often in this movie where somebody who is twice the size of the killer who's coming at them with an axe and they just lay on the ground and like scream, like waiting to get hit with it. Hmm. <laughs> they don't put up any like they don't try to defend themselves at all. It's, you know what? <laughs> it is uh, bizarre. It's um, yeah. Um, Joseph, what are your uh, is again? Is it a film you'd seen before? Uh yeah, I'd saw it. I'd seen it a long time ago, but uh, I've watched it twice this week. And boy, what a movie! Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, like Nathan said, I get a kick out of that narrator. He sounds like Peter Graves on like mushrooms or something. He's like, Vicky, open the door, and he shows her like turning a doorknob. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they had to have something in there. But one of the things I liked about the film, I, mean, I thought it was funny, is um, every time uh, Vicky or, or someone, I mean, you know, at, at this point, I don't know who was who, because uh, I, I couldn't really keep up, because, you know, obviously, as you said, the, the narration is so incoherent. But uh, every time, the, I think it's Vicky, I guess, I'm just going to say it's Vicky, every time she's tormented or, you know, stabbed at or prodded at, there's some kind of sex noise. There's one scene where she's getting, <laughs> like, stabbed in the neck. She's like, ooh. Ah, and she's supposed to be like being like you know trying someone's trying to kill her or something and and that goes on through the film you know you know people in terror or you know having orgasms well that's just bizarre i've got a little clip here actually of that it's mary isn't it her dream sequence when she yeah that's it the dream sequence thing from a porno didn't they there because yeah i mean it doesn't sound like she's getting hacked out with a weapon it sounds like she's sitting on someone's face or something i think she is getting hacked out with a weapon in a version yes (laughs) yeah it sounds like but uh if you watch that scene it's her being attacked with a scalpel and all sorts of things and being stabbed through the neck and she's going ooh ah woo like this it's just so bizarre I mean, maybe you can make maybe you can make more sense of this, but I mean, this movie is just so. You know, it's like Justin said; it's almost art. It's so incoherent. But I mean, I guess getting into spoiler territory. I mean, if you haven't seen the film, I I don't even really know if I'm spoiling it because there's no real logic behind the film. But I mean, who was the killer? I mean, the narrator said I killed them. So I mean, who was he? I mean, I kind of got lost. I mean, the movie's only like. One hour long, and yet mm. I was still lost. I mean, what was Mary? Mary, was Mary is the killer. She framed. Well, see, I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, all I remember is him saying, "You know, I was the killer. I killed no, them all." He, he's, no, he says, "I killed Mary. I killed Vicky. I had to, or something." In self-defense after yeah. after that okay. fantastic scene where they run up the same set of stairs about fourteen hundred like, times. Oh, it's <laughs> yeah. the same shot. Well, I, the problem. I don't. I don't remember who was who. I don't know most of the characters names i mean I, you're basically watching a montage of like different clips thrown together trying to make a movie and it's just it's such a failure i mean this is a movie that you you really need to see you know if you're if you're a filmmaker watch this so you can you know n- know not what to do what not to do 
Well, yes, and also it's kind of <laughs> that. I just lo- love that that scene where Vicky's being chased by the detective and um, running up the stairs, and the same he keeps on catching her almost, and then the next shot her a minute in front of him running up the same set of stairs again and it's just padded spread out and then she attacks him with an axe um and he kills her in self-defense but he survives he survives being hacked about 14 times with an axe doesn't he which is yeah there's another scene i liked where uh it, someone mentioned the music that completely inappropriate music there's a scene where i don't remember who it was again someone was carrying like a suitcase and they were just kind of walking the music was like bum, 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 da, da. It's so exciting, and yet it's just this boring scene. It's like it belonged in the streets of San Francisco, and not in this like, you know, someone carrying some luggage to like to the car or something. Well, that's I like the I like the scene where the two boys in the high waisted jeans are running past the same uh, headstones in the graveyard, you know, multiple times, and then start rolling around (laughs) on the grass together. Yeah, what was that about? I don't know. It was very British, like a seventies gay porno, didn't it? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I like that line, what was it, where she has her hallucination, like the erotic stuff, and it's something like, Vicky felt like someone was making love to her in bright, flashing colors. Well, it was. Somebody was making love to her, and the, and the, the screen kept changing color. Colors, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Especially and the like end the was great. Oh, I was just going to say, the end was awesome, because I love the, the finally when, you know, because the narrator throughout the whole movie knows stuff he shouldn't know. And at the end, he's like, how do I know all this? The entire family kept diaries. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so Mary writing, I killed my family today. Um, yeah, that must know. have been a great, it must have been a thrilling I, read. I mean, I had a dream today about being made love to in bright flashing colours. Yes. <laughs> there was a voice coming from my hat box. <laughs> Dear diary. stuff. Otherwise we would never have known. Yeah. I know. Do you want Sorry. So one of the sex, one of the couple of sex scenes where they just keep focusing on the guy's ass bouncing up and down, <laughs> over and over and over. Well, this I mean, is... I'm no no prude or anything, but I mean, come on, switch to something else. Finally, I mean, God, it's like that was obviously padding. <laughs> well, <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was his real arse. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> well, it's kind of. I tell you what, I what the, for me the film it was almost like a demented fairy tale, wasn't it? Because there was um the evil brother and sister who for no good reason apart from the the mother played by someone called Miriam Meth as in the drug <laughs> um, was um was kind of like you know Mary the whole reason she kills all these people is because um you know Vicky's come out of the asylum and her mother had been doting on her now Vicky's back you know she's kind of now gone a, on another murder spree um and I love the scene when Vicky goes to um, to her uncle's house. I mean, how many of the Kent brothers are there? Because again, this is this is what I had to watch it again to try and work it out. Because basically, some kind of curse. I don't know why there was a curse, but it was the Kent brothers, and they seem to be lots of these Kent brothers. Um, and there was another Kent brother, wasn't there, um, who Vicky goes to visit um, her uncle, and she knocks on the door, and he just basically tells her to go away, doesn't he? And says that those Kent children are all they're all mental. And um, and then they get killed in the car, and that's one the scene that I thought was actually done almost quite well, when um, the killer attacks the uh, the people in the car, and she kind of basically punches a fist through uh, the guy's chest and pulls out his his beating heart, doesn't doesn't she? I think um, she put doesn't she push her hand through the car seat as well as his chest? Yes, exactly. I, yeah. 
which is which is very strange. Um, but then the the um, his wife is on the floor and she's going, oh, you know, kind of all you know, rather than running away, she's just whimpering and go. Oh. And then of course um, Mary runs uh, head over and it goes squish. And then another woman who looks like sort of a John Waters esque sort of old lady, she chases her into a into a basement and then she kind of hacks her with an axe and she and it causes like a shaving nick on her neck. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just yeah, it's it's that's uh, um. That squish effect when she reverses over her aunt's head, yeah. it, so- it sounds like it's been done with somebody's voice, the squish yeah, like, effect. <laughs> yeah, or something. There's also a scene where you can hear, I think it might be a dog or a cat, a dog barking or a cat meowing, and it's like, roof, roof, and it's obviously a human doing it. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> What's crazy about the scene where she kills the people with the car is it shows the killer. I mean, it shows Mary, like, very obviously. Yes, yes. I mean, it's her face and everything, and it's still being portrayed like a whodunit after that. <laughs> it's weird. <laughs> it's very strange. But the other thing, of course, we haven't spoken about is obviously Vicky was played by Samantha Fox, who yeah. is, um, who is a, a very, was a very famous porn star, and obviously not, and often got confused with Sam Fox, the, the pastry stunner from the UK. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and but again, bizarrely, Doris Wishman was known for her nudie films, and so she has um, Samantha Fox, who was still making hardcore pornography um, way after this film as well, up until about 1984. Um, and there's no nudity apart from the man's ass um, in the film at all, is there? No. And it's very coy, which is surprising, isn't it? Um, I can see probably why Samantha Fox didn't go on to any more straight roles. Um, <laughs> yes, I think so. Yeah. I, I did like her death scene was funny at the end when she went boss eyed. Um, I do always love it when victims go boss eyed mm. when they're being strangled because mm. um, it gives that nice little fight, you know, little full stop, doesn't it, to uh, to to an ending. But uh, uh, yeah, no, I just thought that was that was um, strange. Also, I loved the scene when she comes out of the asylum. <laughs> Why was she released? Because obviously she's still mental, even though she didn't kill anyone. And then she's sitting in the car and she steals her mother's um, uh, scarf, doesn't she? <laughs> yeah. She pulls it off her neck and then goes, ha, 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 like that, and then starts. <laughs> <laughs> and you would have thought they might have thought, actually, maybe we should just turn around and put her back in the asylum. Yes. <laughs> I like the scene where the father, um, this is probably something that can't really be described uh, in the podcast, but the, the father is looking around the house and they have the power cut. And just mm. before he's killed, he does this scene where he's looking all around in every direction, including looking straight into the camera, uh, really unconvincingly, you know, he's looking around as if he's sort of spooked by something. Mm. Do you know the one, do you know the bit I mean? Yes. It's just before he's killed. Um, it's quite hilarious about how, you know, bad his facial expressions are. It's it's I I love also love the scene um, where the um, the the wife Miriam Meth is in bed supposedly with the husband, but it's obvious that it's just a, a balloon with some grey pubes stuck on it, um, and it's not him sleeping in the bed at all. You know, it's he's not there. You know, it's obviously shot this without him being there, and it doesn't. It's so bad that it hasn't got. It's got the head, but there's not. They hadn't actually put um, a body in the bed. I don't think. So what you had was this kind of disembodied. You know, sort of pew balloon next to Miriam lying there. Um, it's just There's another sentence you don't hear every day. What's that? Disembodied pew balloon. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> another scene that I love, and this is obviously one of the ones that she um, 
because it starts this whole montage of murders, doesn't it? Which it starts with these, the the axe murder in the bath, and then it cuts to another husband, which is obviously um, one of the Kent brothers who from one of Doris Wishman's films from the sixties, because he walks in in a mod suit, doesn't he, with a like a almost like a bowl cut. Uh, and he talks about, he says his wife Lola was going out for an evening stroll, and you see Lola outside in this kind of, in this um, very revealing negligee walking through the woods, practically <laughs> with her boobs out, and it's mm. like she's out for a, her evening stroll. Um, it's... Just like Manuela in Bloody Moon. Exactly, that's what I thought, yeah. yes. And the, my favourite, probably my favourite bit of the whole movie, is when the killer decapitates somebody, and um, the, the severed head is stuck to the axe, and they're shaking oh, the axe, trying to shake the head off. <laughs> and that was just pure genius. And also that bizarre scene where she, he decap- well, she decapitates the um, the two lovers and uh, the the head is in the fireplace, um, mm. burning away, not looking realistic at all. And, yeah, it's just um, a very, very strange, a uh, very, very strange film. But one of the things that... Um, uh, what's so what I love about this film so much, and in fact is far more actually entertaining than the film, was the commentary on the um, on the disc. Did you did you any of you guys get to listen to the commentary? I did. Yes. Yes. No. Very good. Well, let me just if you didn't hear it, I've just got like it's just a minute because just to give you a taster, and this is on the Elite um, uh, release. Uh, this is Doris Wishman herself with Chuck, her um, her cameraman, discussing at the beginning. This is the beginning of the commentary. I'm Doris Wishman, producer and director of A Night to Dismember. Now this picture was really, really made with love, care, and not Eastman color, but Wishman blood. And next to me, I have Chuck Smith, C. C. Davis. Davis Smith. Don't correct me, Chuck. I know your name. Chuck Smith was the cameraman for 17 of my films. Wonderful films. Wonderful. Chuck, will you stop interrupting me? For God's sakes. Uh, Chuck and I had many, many disagreements. And, uh, but we got along, I would say, fairly well. However, you know, Doris, Chuck, will you keep quiet? I don't remember this movie opening this way. (laughs) I'll I'll explain it after I have my say, okay? Okay. So... (laughs) Uh, you've got to watch it again if you watch that film watch it with the commentary because commentary is hilarious it's just um Mm. it's doris and chuck bickering half good naturedly there's some great bits where um he just becomes exasperated with her and she says something like oh my films are great aren't they and he goes yes doris your films are really good (laughs) (laughs) i just like i just like you know i love her voice and i love you know she obviously what character and of course sadly she passed away um in 2005 i think was it was it was 2002 2002 so actually it's the year after well i don't know when the commentary was recorded but the elite disc came out in 2001 um i'm not sure if you if it's still available but uh it's that commentary is hands down the best audio commentary I've ever heard, just because for sheer entertainment value. Um, he's he just kind of you know he's winding her up the whole time quite good naturedly, um, uh, and uh, and she's you know uh, yeah no, it's just it's just really good fun, really good fun. So um, as I was listening to it, um, I I don't know what Doris Wishman looks like, but in my head it was, I was picturing Jan Terry. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what I imagined she looked like. Yeah. Well, you know, Miriam Meth was her yeah. um, sister. I really? Yes. 
so um, uh, yeah, so I'll she, give you an indication. I, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think I think Doris Wishman probably did some of the voices in the film, uh, certainly the female voices, uh, because, like I say, they, it, it's kind of strange because you know if you um, you watch the trailer, we watched a bit of the, tra- um, we heard some of the trailer. And there's loads of stuff that's obviously in the trailer that's not in the film. And some of the so it kind of basically shows in some ways that Mary gets possessed. Um, and that's why she goes on this killing spree. But there are scenes like, for instance, with um, people being chased with knives and women running downstairs, people who aren't in the finished film. And there's a scene in a big um, in, a, in a lounge with quite a few people and loads of dry ice. So I think and also scenes where people were <clears throat> actually speaking dialogue. So it was it was obviously going to be a, a quite a different film and i think it i think in for us um watching the film now and for the beauty and the horror that is a night to dismember then it's it we're lucky that it did happen but i think it probably would have been quite a different movie although if you've ever seen a doris wishman movie um it, they are uh you know kind of i kind of guess you know if you've ever seen a herschel gordon lewis movie then that it's similar to you know to that um they come very much in the same film uh you know school of filmmaking i think um but yes it's a very difficult film to describe without actually uh living through it isn't it mm. yes mm. i mean is there anything else I, I, you... well i'll say one thing about it it doesn't yeah. look like an 80s film when, no. when uh, in that opening sequence i thought looked very like a 60s film to me mm. well some of it was like stuff like the, sh- the sh- shot of her lounge and the um the sofa was from the 1960s and things like that. So there were bits. Oh right, 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 right. Some of our other films, I'd say. Yeah, there's quite a few bits put in from the other films. Um, I see. That's how. Well. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Certainly then. with the with the two boys when they're being chased, uh, that that looks like it was. I think it was filmed in 1979, mm. and it looks like it, doesn't it? It looks yeah. like 1979. Um, and the rest of the film looks. And I think basically it was it was filmed. A lot of it was filmed in 1979. Then it got destroyed, so it took her four years or whatever to finish it. And she did shoot some other other stuff, but then used bits from other older movies to to add in to pad it out and to try and make some sense. Um, I did love <clears throat> love the bit when Vicky puts all that makeup on, doesn't she? Um, uh, you know, she sits in her sister's uh, Mary, so mean to her. Um, uh, it's yeah, it's you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the thing is, her sister Mary is really mean to her. Like, she rips up a picture of Vicky's boyfriend and, like, mm-hmm. gets in her face about it. So Mary shows nothing but contempt for Vicky ever since she gets back home. And then mm-hmm. there's that scene where Vicky finds out, you know, that her brother, Billy, is was the one that tried to scare her at the lake. And mm-hmm. Mary's in there laughing with Billy and plotting. And the voiceover says, Vicky is sure that Mary had nothing to do with it. <laughs> I'm like, Why would you not even think she did? She's nothing but mean to you. Yeah, yeah, I know. And then later, when the figure approaches her bed wearing the mask, does, can she not just put two and two together and twig it that it's it's um, Billy again? Yeah, I mean, she figured it out, and then it's like she forgot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the other thing it's, like, it's like Wonder Woman used the lasso of truth to make her forget. Yes, I'm still yes. trying to think of all this stuff they're writing in their diaries. <laughs> I'm for the cop today. It was must have been very comprehensive. Yeah, <laughs> just a little, just a little burst of some music here. Again, this is the, the kind of game show. That's the game music, show. That's what I was talking about. Yeah, yeah. Which is which is just bizarre. But the that's like the same made... music they play when she's carrying. Like people are just doing mundane things, like walking and stuff. Mm. Yeah, 
It's, it's just bizarre, isn't it? Because if you watch the film all the way through, and at the end it says um, uh, music uh, composed and uh, directed by, and it's got a name, and it's um, by, it's almost not the London Philharmonic, but um, saying something <laughs> from London. It's obvious that all this music, it was not composed for this film at all. It was just, it was all taken from other films, wasn't it? And it's all library music. Yeah. Can you, can you imagine, like, uh, an orchestra in London sort of doing all this different music? And it's, yeah, it is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, well, that is a night to dismember. Have we got anything else we want to say about it? I mean, I've got a little bit of background, but I think we've talked mostly. Um, you know, there's not a lot of background to this movie apart from what we've already spoken about. But um, mm. is there anything else that we wanted to say about the film? Mm, no. No. Yeah. Just that the um, uh, the detective really reminded me. Well, he was obviously very eighties because he had big eighties glasses. He reminded me of the the nerdy guy from Electric Dreams. I think I'm the only person who's ever watched that film, but it's the one where the um, computer comes to life after he spills champagne on it. Okay, well, uh, is that the one that's got um, the Human League, the Philoki and Giorgio Moroder? Yeah, yeah. sorry. And it stars um, Virginia Madsen. Okay, okay. Mm. I'll have to look that up. I anyway, that's that. a little uh, tangent. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, Nathan, is there anything you, else that you remember about this film you wanted to share? I just want to say that I do really, really like the title. And, mm. you know, that title was kind of reused in a tagline for the movie Blood Sisters. Mm. That's true. Their yeah. hazing was a night to dismember. Mm. Exactly. That's the Roberta Finley movie, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because I think Doris wanted to, um, in the commentary, she said she wanted, I don't know if she said it's a sequel, but she wanted to... Um, uh, make another film called Axe of Violence. As yes. In, as mm. in Axe, A-X, and also A-C-T-S. So She's got some good titles, doesn't she? Yeah, yeah she, she does. does. She does. Um, I liked her one, her sexploitation title, Nude on the Moon. Yes. <laughs> oh, I wish I was nude on the moon right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with your tits out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'd, be, you'd be dead. Uh, that's true you wouldn't be able to breathe I see I never thought about that Yeah, mm. her, pen, her penultimate film before she died was Dildo Heaven oh, I wish uh, I was in Dildo Heaven right now <laughs> well we can't see you Eric maybe you are <laughs> and the one film on her list that I, I had heard of was um, Let Me Die a Woman which I think was notorious over in the, in mm. the UK wasn't it mm. yeah, it was kind right. of close to being a video nasty I think yeah yeah mm. no, that's right I mean, I did. I did see. Have you seen any of the Chesty Morgan films? No. Is Chesty um, Morgan the woman that's um, the movie that Scotty's watching? Yes. And Serial yes. Mom. Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because because um, I think uh, John Waters, unsurprisingly, probably was uh, a big fan of Doris Wishman, uh, and um, I've seen pictures of them together. And she talks about um, he. Yeah, that's right. He he was um, uh, that was in Serial Mom, wasn't it? I've, I've forgotten that. Uh, but yeah, the Chesty Morgan films are quite funny because Chesty Morgan is actually quite unattractive looking, apart from she wears massive platform or these huge kind of seventies kind of <laughs> platforms, and she just has in- enormous breasts. Yes, I, I'm is, aware of her um, ample bosoms. I think she was Polish as well. She is. So, she is Polish. Yeah. 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 So, um, but and on another tangent for Chesty Morgan, you know, you said she's unattractive, and yes, she is. So why in Serial Mom? Why would Scotty want to masturbate to that? Scotty was a big pervert. I mean, everything was like a turn on for him. <laughs> we should yeah. have massive boobs. I think he probably didn't see past that. Yeah, mm. yeah a, lot, a lot of boys boobs. can't. Yeah. Mm. 
But her boobs look like they were hanging down like really, really low. I mean, in one scene in the Serial Mom movie, he's watching uh, Double Agent or something. Like she lifts one up. I mean, like he's like, oh, oh, (laughs) (laughs) oh boy, oh boy. Um, Well, Doris Wishman, we will probably never see her like again. I wouldn't have thought. uh, she is as one of a kind, and uh, a Knights member is one of a kind. And so, I think I would, you know, if you've got tolerance for bad movies, um, I think you should watch Knights of Dismember. But especially if you can get hold of the Elite DVD with the uh, the commentary, because the commentary uh, really makes it, and it is uh, absolutely hilarious. So, uh, so yeah, I hope you enjoyed us chatting about that. Um, what we'll do is we're going to go on to some feedback. Um, before we do that, we'll do uh, give you contact details. Our voicemail lines are open at 858-233-9281. You can reach us via email at v.hysteria.continues at gmail.com. We are on Twitter. That's twitter.com forward slash THC underscore podcast. Facebook fans can find us at facebook.com forward slash the hysteria continues, the body count continues, or hysteria-lives. Uh, you can check out Justin's website at hysteria.co.uk. You can check out my website at the-bodycount-continues.com. Nathan has his own side project at blogtalkradio.com forward slash the dash x to grind dash show that is a x e not a x and finally if you would like to purchase some merchandise you can look us up on cafepress.com forward slash the hysteria continues and we really appreciate you listening thanks everyone i just noticed uh joseph don't you give my web address wrong in that yes he does did uh, i joseph yes. you can have to do it again yeah. What is it? I said hysteria-lives.co.uk, didn't I? You said hysteria.co.uk. Did oh, I really? Joseph. Yes. Oh, you're gonna have to do it uh, again now. Well, yeah. I'll, I'll re-record it just for, just for that, I guess. Okay. Okay. But can um, I just say one um, thing about Doris Wishman before we move on to feedback? Yeah. That, mm. that according to the IMDb, she's the cousin of Max Rosenberg, who is one of the men behind Amicus. Okay. Don't know how true yeah. that is, but IMDb says it. She also said, uh, she seemed to have a sense of humor about her films. I mean, she said uh, before she died that she'd still be making these films in hell. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I hope she is. I hope she is. Um, yes. Uh, God bless her. So, um, well, thank you, Doris, and thank you for listening. We've got um, quite a lot of feedback, actually, to get through this week, haven't we? Don't we've got any voicemails, have we? No, no voicemails. No. But, um, Nathan, I think you have a little bit of feedback, don't you? Do you want to kick off? Oh, I do, but I got to find it first. So, um, oh, well, let's go. For <laughs> I'm it. just saying. So <laughs> unprofessional to me. Sorry, um, if somebody else wants to go first. <laughs> okay, Eric. Okay, yes, with? I have mine ready here. Okay, this is from Justin Kosh, and he says, I run a humble little blog called Italian Lemonade, available at italianlemonade.blogspot.com. It's about my love of all things Jallo. I'm also working on my second Jallo screenplay, the progress of which is being documented on the blog. I'm fortunate to have a professor who appreciates the Jallo and encourages me to keep that direction. I've recently rediscovered all of the goodness that is the hysteria continues on my iPod. It makes for incredibly entertaining listening whilst driving to class, not only because of everybody's love of all things horror, but because of the constant double entendres. I feel right at home. 
I want to thank you for finally putting a name to a movie that's been on my brain for the last 20 years or so. I remembered a movie I watched on a Saturday morning about a bunch of girls on an island being stalked by a killer. When he mentioned the dog getting sent outside only to die and the girl yelling that he was a nice doggy, I finally got the answer. Five desperate women. So thank you, thank you, thank you for finally ending that mystery for me. I do have a couple of questions. First of all, who is this Toya that you keep mentioning? I know, I know exactly. she's being compared to Susie Sue, who I love and adore, but I don't know anything about her. So please enlighten me so I can familiarise myself. Also, can I make a suggestion for a top three list? I've been going through the past podcasts, but haven't come across this one. But a list of top three most frustrating horror films would be interesting. Pretty much consisting of movies that have some great moments, but also have such horrible moments that it frustrates you every time you watch it. My top three would be Hellraiser 2, which has both some of the best moments and some of the worst moments of the entire franchise. Uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which starts off as one of the best nightmare films, but once we get to the group dream sequences and the Wizard Master, I can't take any more. And probably The Card Player, which had great potential and has some great moments, but every time there's an actual card game, the film just comes to a grinding halt. Well, that's all I have for now. Keep up the good work and keep your cat away from the toilet. And that's from Justin Koch in Virginia. Well, thank you, Justin. Okay, well, just to fill him in on Toya, Toya is a pop goddess from uh, the late 70s and 80s, and she's still going today, actually, um, that I love. She was, I suppose she peaked in 1981 with three top 10 singles. Um, The only reason we compare her to Susie, I suppose, is because they both have big spiky hair. Toya's being orange and Susie's being black. And also that because I like Toya more than Susie and just unlike Susie more than Toya, we just like to have a kind of mini battle over who's the best. Hmm. I like Toya, Toya, which really yes. neither is the best. <laughs> well, I think we do know who's, um, yeah, who's Toya, the best. I mean, yeah. Because <laughs> Toya, Toya is an actress as well. She was in um, Jubilee and she's in a t- an episode of Tales of the Unexpected. I don't know if you, you get that over in the States. Um, and she was in an episode of Celebrity Cash in the Attic. Was she? Wow. Yeah. And she was in Celebrity Bargain Hunt as well. <laughs> well, I know she was, um, I did see on TV relatively recently giving a talk we, to the Women's Institute. <laughs> Sorry? <I think> <laughs> hmm? she, she was what? Giving a talk to the Women's Institute. <sighs> which I no, she was, I think, no, she was, that wasn't Toya. <laughs> when she was on Celebrity Bargain Hunt, was she out looking for Susie CDs? Ooh. <laughs> yeah. I'm Here sure you she'll probably find more of next her week. Next CDs. week, I'll, I'll defend Susie and then bash Toya. Yeah, <laughs> I want to bash. See, I like the, I like them both. So I, I my my job is the instigator. Being See, I don't my, like either one of them, so I just usually stay out of it. I haven't heard one song from either one of them yet that I think is any good. Sorry, well, really? I don't think. To- in fairness, I don't think Toya made much of an impact outside of Europe. So that's probably why our listeners it's, in the states probably have no idea who she is. It's a mystery that she didn't. Yeah, exactly. A mystery. Um, oh, I got I got a Toya T-shirt actually as a gift before I went away on my holidays. It you? says "It's a mystery" on it. It was very good. Yeah, um, well, as for merchandise, uh, wait, hmm? official merchandise, it is. They still do that. Yes. Okay. She has a very good website, toyawilcox.com. <laughs> um, as for the to- his top three suggestions of most frustrating horror films, that sounds good. Um, I would agree with him on Hellraiser too. Because I think it has some fantastic moments in it, and then it has some really shoddy, horrible moments in it as well. Mm. No, uh, no, I think it's a good. Uh, it, it might be a bit close to the one we've done this week, but I think we could probably 
Um, I think we could probably come up with some different ideas, couldn't we, for that? Yeah. So I, yeah, think I, I do begin. I'm thinking we are beginning to sort of overlap with our top threes. There's only so many we can come up with. Exactly. We are kind of, um, you know, we're running at the risk. But um, now, if you have always, top three ideas that we haven't done, send them in. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Top three Toya songs. Yeah, it's a mystery. I want to be free and Rebel Run. There we go. What about What's yours? Um, Like a Prayer? That was a pretty good one. <sighs> That's Madonna. Oh. Goodness me. <laughs> yeah. And and I do like her song True Colors. Oh, <sighs> no. no. <laughs> Stirring the pot. Yeah. Um, they have the well, same I thing. Like her song, I, I like the song she did, The Captain of Her Heart. Do <sighs> bless. <laughs> That's taking us back to way in the beginning of that. That is. I remember vaguely something about that song before. <laughs> okay, think, anyone I else? Think, I've got another one, but do, will I pass it over to Nathan now? Nathan, okay, yeah, yeah I go. felt mine. Um, okay. Hi, Justin, Eric, Joseph, and Nathan. Hi, uh, Tommy. I love your podcast and have been listening since the Fatal Game Show and have caught up on all of your catalogs since. I'd love for you guys to do a comprehensive show on Unhinged from 1982. It's one of my favorite slasher films of all time, and there's so very little information on it out there. I know its director, Don Gronquist, is on Facebook, and I know from the interview on the DVD, he thinks fondly of the movie, so you could possibly get an audio interview with him. I'd love to hear how he initially came up with the idea, how the shooting went, his relationship with the actors, and the aftermath of the film post its video Nasties ban. It would be really awesome if you could get other people involved with the film to do an interview I know Unhinged is a secret pleasure of slasher fans, and I think your fans would love to hear a show on it. All the best to you guys, and I look forward to future episodes, possibly also a future show on Rocktober Blood. Cheers, loyal fan from Melbourne, Australia, Tommy. Thank you, Tommy, and I love Rocktober Blood, and I adore Unhinged. The problem is I have really tried to – I've emailed Don Gronquist twice asking for an interview and haven't gotten a response, and I can't find anybody else associated with the movie. If you can, send me their Facebook information or something, and I'll try them because I would love to do a show on it, but I'm kind of holding out, hoping that Don will write me back. Mm. Well, thank you, Tommy. Um, and um, I'm sure we all wait with bated breath for an unhinged episode, don't we? You are going to love it. I think it. all of our episodes are unhinged. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, I have yet to see unhinged. I mean, the baby Jesus did um, reward me with a copy of it uh, a while back, but I haven't got around to watching it yet. Is it's it as bad? No, it's really good. I, I like it. I like it too. I promise you, Justin, you're going to like it more this time. Okay. Well, I, I, again, I it's another video nasty, isn't it? Not Justin. It is. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's there's kind of some brief flashes of gore. It's a bit like an I kind of liken it to an Andy Milligan film. There's oh. lots of sitting around talking over dinner tables, um, a little bit, <laughs> um, and then some like sickle murders. It's kind of that. It's like one long dinner party, and then a couple of sickle murders at the end is what I remember. But I say I might like it a bit more. I don't know. So what about Rocktober Blood? That could be a good one to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Rainbow Blood Eyes. It's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I that's a movie I don't like, but I will watch it again. Maybe my okay. opinion will change. Right. Well, well, thank you very much, Tommy. And uh, thank you, Nathan. Um, shall I go next? Or, Joseph, do you want to? Have you got one you want to go with? Uh, go ahead. You go. You go first. Okay. Well, I've got um, this is from Brett Roberts, and he says, Hello, you lousy bastards. And I won't do, he writes it in in the, the way that Linda Day George says it, so I'll play that rather than say it. Bastard! 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 
Yes. Uh, Always makes me smile. <laughs> Absolutely. He says, I hope all is well. I began listening to your podcast just to hear your reviews of movies I've seen, but I enjoy your interaction so much that I've gone back to episode one and began to listen to all of them, even movies I haven't seen. Even when I haven't seen them, I find the talks funny and interesting. I had a few questions for you. Okay, and this is the questions he's got. Is Number one, who is a better screen queen, Jamie Lee Curtis or Dana Kimmel? Who wants to take that? That's mm-hmm. cool. Jamie Lee Kimmel. <laughs> How do you measure that, though? I mean, do you measure it like the whole package or just who is better at screaming? Mm. Well, I kind of said Jamie Lee has to be the better screen queen. Well, but, uh, yes. I've never, me- never, never measured the whole package. <laughs> have you not? No? I'm not that mean. Oh, please. <laughs> well, no, you have. I've, I vote for, I'm, overall, I vote for Jamie Lee. So <laughs> I'm going to have any- to go with Jamie Lee, too. Yeah. yeah, me too. Sorry, Dana. What about you, Eric? Jamie Lee, definitely. Well, there you go. So that's that's answer your first one, Brett. Number two is, do you think you'd be up for reviewing the Prom Night series? This has to be one of the strangest series ever made, as only two of the films actually have anything to do with each other, while parts one and four are off in their own separate universe. I will admit the first one is a favourite of mine, and the second one has some of the best nudity in a movie ever. Um... I I I think Prom Night will be coming up pretty soon. It's just that I haven't seen um, Prom Night two uh, for a long time. Although Patrick over at Screen Queens did um, an episode on Prom Night two, Hello Mary Lou, and it <coughs> sounded like a lot of fun. And I, have, I did see it. I think I've got the video, but I probably haven't seen it since nineteen eighty eight or something when it came out on video. Um, but I do remember being disappointed that it wasn't. A slasher movie. I thought a prom night sequel would be a carry on, you know, not a carry on slasher movie, but like would carry on in that vein. But um, bizarrely, it's a, the series is, is sandwiched. It's got is, you've got like slasher movies at the beginning and the end, haven't you? Prom night four, or Deliver Us from Evil, is essentially a slasher movie. But um, I de- definitely we will cover the first one uh, pretty soon, I imagine. But um, what do you guys reckon? Yeah, actually, I'd written to um, the actor who plays Slick. A while back and he had agreed to an interview but you know like a lot of these interviews they just don't pan out you never hear from them again even though even though they say yeah i will do an interview but maybe we'll get him after all i would like to do prom night i think it's a fairly fun film prom night would be a great one to do definitely i haven't seen prom night four i've seen the first three i don't think think i've seen four no is it any good it's not bad it's got a really creepy villain Mm. It? Yeah, it does have a creepy villain. You're right. Does it tie into the? It doesn't tie into the first one at all. No. Mm, no. It's its own no. film. Yeah. Although I believe there is one actor that's in all four films. Yes, they were saying something about that on the Scream Queens podcast, yeah. weren't they? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, well, that's um, that's our answer on that, Brett. Now, the next one you say in an earlier show, Justin said something about going to the gay bars. I was wondering if any of the hosts of the Homosexual Persuasion. I, myself, am a lifetime homosexual and a connoisseur of many fine penises, both big and small, cut and uncut. It would be nice to know if any of you guys count yourself as members of this club. Let me, so, just, let me just interject here. I mean, this, it should have been obvious by now. I think, I think we pretty much made it clear who is and who isn't. Yeah, Joseph, yeah, Joseph you big shirt lifter. Yes. I know, yeah. There's only Stop one breeder it, among us. Stop it. Yes, mm. and um, yeah, so Joe's off to Chickaphil later, unlike the rest yeah. of us. Chickaphil? Yeah. I'd never even heard of it be, until this week. Is that, is that mm. what it's called? Chickaphil? Chick fil A. Oh, Chick fil A. Okay. Oh, Chick-fil-A. right, yeah. Uh, that's where Joseph's supporting, right, Joseph? That's it. 
That's it. I am totally anti anti gay. <laughs> Obviously, being yeah. being uh, spit roasted by the rest of us every week. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. anyway, yes. So um, to answer your question, there, um, uh, some of us are connoisseurs of many fine penises, both big and small. So, yeah. and thank you for answering, Brett. Um, I'm a connoisseur four. of my own. I, I, I'm sure you are. Um, mm-hmm. And number four, were you aware of the upcoming very special Blu-ray release of Halloween 3 with a commentary by leg- legendary Tom Atkins? I myself can't wait to pick this up. Um, yes, I am aware of that, and I'm looking forward to that. And uh, um, Eric, you very kindly sent me a link to uh, sort of a Blu-ray all-region player, yeah. which I might have to invest in at some point. Have you got, mm-hmm. have you got it through yet? Uh, not yet, no. I only, uh, only ordered it on Friday. Right, yeah, okay. so it's £179, and then it was £29 to ship to Ireland. So it's okay. it sounds like a lot, but hopefully it'll be well worth it, because the Halloween 2 and Halloween 3 um, Blu-rays are going to be region-locked, so this is what's prompted me to get well. it. Terror Train's um, it's, it's going to be region-locked, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah cause no, I think I know, they're, they're coming out on, on DVD, which I could have done, but... I want them on Blu-ray because I'm just like Fruit Assault, really. Yes. I want, I want, I want. No, fair you enough. want it now? Yeah. You don't care how? No. Cream, duns, cream buns and donuts and fruitcakes with no nuts. Can't fight this either. Oh, I know that song. Yeah, oh, Fruit Assault, yeah. Yes. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Can't fight this either. Quite like that song, yeah. yeah anyway, back back on task. Yes, back yes. On task. Um, one last suggestion, number five, the last question is, you guys should review the little scene but ultra creepy 1981 slasher Eyes of a Stranger. This stars Lauren Tews from The Love Boat and Jennifer Jason Lee in her very first movie and has excellent special effects by Tom Savini. I think you guys would enjoy it. Now, I'm not a big fan of that movie. I, I think it's, I, you know, I'm not, I, it's kind of cheesy, but um, yeah, I, it's a film I need to rewatch. but I remember uh, watching it. I was not a big fan of it, but um what about you guys? We watched it on movie night uh, not too long ago. I loved mm. it. I think it's fantastic. Hmm. I am. Um, well, yeah, I, I haven't seen it for a while, but um, I do remember liking it. I have to say. Sorry, Justin. Well, okay. Well, maybe <coughs> that'd be another one to pick. It'd be an interesting, uh, interesting pick. But um, Brett, well, thank you very, very much for uh, writing in. And um, uh, yes, if you see any particularly good penises, do let us know. And, Big or um, small. Big or small, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, on from that those bombshells, it's like uh, I don't know, it's like a movie of the week or something, or sort of um, I don't know the um, Jeremy Kyle show, isn't it at the moment? Which you obviously don't get in the states. What's what would uh, Jeremy Kyle show? It would be like a uh, Jerry Springer show, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah. Anyway, I'm wittering yeah. now. So, who hasn't read something, Joseph? Actually, this is, I got two, but this is again from Brett Roberts, who writes in again. He says, hello, gentlemen. Well, I was going to write this after listening to your Don't Go in the Woods episode, which I mistakenly thought would go up on the 25th of July. Turns out it's not till the 29th, and that's today, so today we're recording, so hope you've listened to that by now. But uh, he says, so I have many more days to wait. Let's just pretend I have listened to it, and it was delightful, and I especially love Joseph's comment about an hour into it. It made me laugh. Um, I don't remember what my comment was an hour into it, but hopefully it will make you laugh. But uh, anyway, he says, okay, guys, I'm still working through your old shows. I'm on episode 13 now. I have some feedback, suggestions, and questions for you. Question number one, a suggestion for a good top three segment, best boobs. Personally, my vote for number one would have to go to the unforgettable Pamela Susan Shoup in 1981's Halloween 2. 
That rack is so fantastic it should be modeled and put on display in a museum of natural history. Mm-hmm. So I guess he wants to know what our best boobs are. I don't know. I'm not much of a boob man. I'm more of a a leg and ass person, but I'd I say Debbie Sue Voorhees, maybe. Pamela, Pamela Susan Shoops are fantastic, though. Mm. Yeah. Linda Blair's cleavage in Hell. Yes. 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 Yeah. That was a character in and of itself. Yeah. Or what's, what's the actress's name in Halloween 4? She's got huge rack as well. Kathleen Kinmont, is it? Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, I, don't, I don't know. If she Does she get them out in Halloween 4? I think she does. I think she does, doesn't she? Yeah. Um, and there's lots of there's lots of boobies in um, Slumber Party Massacre, isn't there? Mm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Fatal right Games. Mm. Um, All right, his number two is uh, another suggestion, if you haven't done it already. Top three best bitches. Who can forget Melissa from Friday the 13th Part 7? Or Wendy from Prom Night? And I think that's a pretty good idea. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to find 12 bitches. Do you think it might be? Yeah. Possibly. Yeah, Wendy, yeah. Wendy from Prom Night is my favourite, I have to say. Yeah, well, Melissa yeah. from Friday the 13th Part 7 is my favourite. Mm. I like the, I can't remember what the character is, but the one in Cheerleader Camp, she's quite funny as well. Yeah, yeah. Oh, she's yeah. Um, I kind of like the um, one in Sleepaway Camp. I think her name's Jennifer Esposito, and I still know what she did last summer. She's kind of the, the bitchy mm. barmaid. Mm. I like her. I like yeah. the bitchy like one that. in Killer Party. Yeah. Yes. I like the girl uh, with the side ponytail in, in, in Sleepaway Camp, the first one. I think oh. we could come up with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like we already have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe. I'll tell we you should my do favorite. this and, and have sound clips of their good, bitchiest moments. Mm. I'll tell you, my favorite bitchy one is the um, is the, the girl in the wheelchair in Psycho Beach Party. Oh, my God. She's I look, so just, bitchy. Just <laughs> as she wheels up to the waitress and she goes, Pat, sorry you're going bald, but finding clumps of hair in the chicken a la king frankly grosses me out. See, I think that's brilliant. I think it's brilliant that they actually had her in a wheelchair because you expect her to be kind of, you know, friendly, and she's mm-hmm. not. Well, she goes up anyway. to um, goes up some main characters, and she says, "Oh, you enjoy your, com- your own company, don't you?" Um, and just kind of, yeah, she's great. But anyway, carry on. Oh, it's, I'm sorry, I had to say this before Joseph keeps reading because you you brought that up, Justin. It, mm. I like when she says, "I've got friends coming over for dinner," and then she looks at Berdine and she's like, "Berdine, you're not invited." <laughs> <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay, well, that, that's probably answered that for, for Brett. But um, anything else? Yeah, three of six, he says, Since I believe I have found a way to mention penises in my previous feedback to you, I think I will try to keep it as a recurring theme. And on that note, do you think Jason Voorhees is circumcised? Going even further, <laughs> do you think Jason even has genitals at this point after spending so many years as a rotting, walking corpse? Hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I would say no. I'd say by now they probably rotted off. In the first four films, yeah, I'd say maybe he had some. I'd say his his underpants have probably sort of melted with his flesh, probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the Incredible Hulk, maybe. Is yeah. Jason a virgin? Hmm. Probably. Well, if part three is in, in the indication he's a rapist, so maybe not. Hmm. I've never liked that. <laughs> Stop buzzing. Yeah. This is one of these questions. Um, <laughs> Speaking of penises, yes. <laughs> yeah. Staying somewhat in number four, staying somewhat in the penis family again. When using a public restroom, do you prefer to use the urinal or the stall, and why? The it stall. Depends if I'm doing a number one or number two. Number one. <laughs> well, you're going to do number two in a urinal. Well, exactly. <laughs> it's not very likely, is it? <laughs> I used to work at. Uh, um, 
I used to, I, I, I probably told this story before, but when I used to work at CNA, it was like a clothing shop when I was at, um, at six or at college on Saturdays. And, um, uh, they kept on finding poo in the ladies changing rooms. Ew. And, um, somebody would, and, and basically somebody saw, heard like a, a fart basically and looked under store and saw this woman squatting, doing a curling one off. Um, it's disgusting. And then they, then she went and told the the um, the woman at the front desk that some, I'd just seen this woman next door to me shatting shitting in in the next door. And this other woman came out and said, "She said, how dare you? I that was you know I that's how I didn't do that. It's disgusting." She's saying, "Look, there's a turd there." There's a turd. <laughs> and she she said, "It's not my turd." And she was saying, "They were going to." They're gonna, how are they going to test it to find out if it's a turd or not? Anyway, that's just a well, why would you go into a dressing room if there's a turd there? Yeah. Well, exactly. Why would you yeah. go in there? You might step around yeah. it. Um, but yeah, so there you go. But yes, the, the answer to that would be dependent on what I was doing, I imagine. Hmm. Hmm. I'm, so, I'm a stall man, I have to say. I don't like mine people. Mine depends on... I'm sorry, Eric. I don't like people checking out my winkle. Unless, <laughs> I, unless I invite them to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just if I go in and the and the, there's a line of urinals empty, then I don't care to use one. But if there's several people there, I feel weird standing right next to somebody. I don't yeah. know. It's well, that, weird that to be the same. Yeah, yeah. Same, I had to, same with me. I did go to a drag bar once in Gran Canaria, and it had one urinal. That was all it had in the bar. And my friend was very ill and was sick in the urinal, and there was a queue of people waiting <laughs> to use the urinal while he was um, being sick in it. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a glamorous life that I lead. Yeah. So, well, I there's it's a, a very there's, shitty life. It sounds like there's there's a Bears bar in in central London called King's Arms, and it's it's its toilet is quite 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 narrow, and the clientele would be quite 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 not narrow, mm. so it can be quite tricky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whose idea was to put a narrow toilet in a in a bear bar? I have no idea, but they obviously didn't do their research. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well. See what you brought out of us, Brett. Yeah. Um, what else? What, where are we up to? He's got two more questions. He says, hmm. uh, number five, who is your most favorite slasher star that you've met? And speaking for myself, it would be a tie between Amy Steele and Lauren Marie Taylor. Hmm. Well, I've, on, I've only met in the flesh one, I think, and that's Adrian King. But uh, I've spoken to a few on, on Skype and that, and my favourite would probably be Russell Todd from Friday the 13th Part 2. I thought he was mm. really nice. Mm. I'm trying to think. See, I have I... so many favourites uh, because I love everybody that I've interviewed so far. Um, and, of course, you guys know I love Lori Lathine because, you know, she's awesome. And, and then Amy Steele, I mean, obviously she's incredible. Mm. I mean, after what she did for me, I mean, of course, she's going to be mm. my number one. Mm. I don't think I've, I haven't met any in the flesh. I don't think I'm trying to think. I can't think of any any new ones that I have because obviously being in the UK and we don't have conventions, so actually it's quite limited to actually be. But um, but all the people I've spoken to on Skype and stuff have always been very gracious and very enthusiastic. So um, I'm trying to think of someone that stood out as a. I mean, I can't. I can't I'm trying to. I, nothing. Nobody jumps out at me apart from um, uh, you know. Um, I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to think, actually. Uh, I can't, my mind is blank for some reason. It's, I think it's the tequila repeating, so I might come <laughs> back on that one. <laughs> so, All right. went to number one. Is that it, or is that... Then you got one more, he says. More. Actually, this okay. question is for Nathan specifically. Oh, I have attached two pictures of myself. 
and I'll have to send these two pictures to you, obviously. I understand that you are engaged slash married to a lovely man. But if you were not, is this the face of somebody you would wish to date? And I guess I'll need to send you these pictures so you can make that. Yeah, how can I answer that question, Joseph? Well, I just now got to the email, so I didn't really know that it oh. had two attachments. Okay, well, I will answer that question for you after I see the pictures when Joseph sends them to me. <laughs> but anyways, he says, that's all for now. I'm looking forward to any coming shows. Oops, Freudian slip on the spelling, so you obviously know how he spelled coming. <laughs> and that's from Brett Roberts. I think Brett is a very saucy fellow, isn't he? He is very saucy. Yes. yes. Okay. I'm sure that won't be the last we hear of him. It's going to turn into, <laughs> it's going to be like you on Broadway, like Lauren Bacall in The Fan <laughs> and Michael Bean stalking you. I think you've got a new fan there. Yeah, uh, I like having fans. I told I told uh, Wes the other night that I'm a I'm a celebrity now that we're all horror celebrities, and he laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> you don't think we're celebrities? Uh, no, I think <laughs> we're internet stars. We're gonna internet sign autographs. We're gonna we're, people are gonna be asking for our autographs soon. I need to do some headshots. Somebody's <laughs> <laughs> getting carried shots? away. I think. Yeah, I think um, I think Brett wants a different type of headshot. <laughs> Matron, please. <laughs> right. Anyway, well, let's um, let's move swiftly on. Thank you very much, yeah. Brett. Um, I'm sure that isn't going to last. We hear of you, so do write in again. Um, who wants to go next? Who's? Okay. I have another one here. Okay. Um, yeah. This is from our friend of the podcast, Brian Sammons from Michigan. Uh, he says, "Hey guys, in regards to your Friday the Thirteenth Part Two episode, uh, show, I wanted to say great job as always. Your Friday the Thirteenth shows have become my favourites of yours, and I can't wait for future installments." That said, I do have two points I'd like to share. First, in your worst Friday the Thirteenth moments list, I can't believe that none of you mentioned the Mount Everest of stupid moments for all the films. I'm talking about the end of Friday Part Eight. Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. So the sewers of New York fill with toxic waste every night at midnight. Okay, if that wasn't stupid enough, it appears that radioactive goo also has magical properties because it not only de-ages Jason back to a child, but cures all his deformities also. Yep, worst ending to any Friday the 13th movie ever. Even more horrible than the giant Muppet hands pulling Jason underground at the end of Jason Goes to Hell. Okay, yeah, we missed that one. I was thinking of possibly pushing that one in, but I think by that stage in part eight, uh, you know, I, I was kind of worn out with stupid moments. Uh, well, I don't know what you guys think of the ending of part eight. Well, it's, it's pretty, pretty, pretty dark. Just like the movie, mm. it's terrible. Mm. Mm. I thought it was more of a symbolic ending than I, I didn't take the sort of Jason regressing back to a child and being cured of his deformities, literally. I thought of it as kind of maybe some kind of metaphorical image or something hmm. am I Could be. Read, yeah am I reading no, too much probably, into it I think they may have wanted to go down that I don't think they were that smart though mm. no yeah. no it was it, yeah, it was very stupid yeah maybe you should write a Friday the 13th film maybe I should yeah. yeah. Okay, anyway, his second point, it's actually a question for all of you. In the spirit of Nathan's interesting theory of Alice still being alive, uh-oh, <laughs> don't get him started on that, okay. I wanted to know I wanted to know if, if you had any thoughts on the Catch-22 paradox behind Friday the 13th Part 2. That being, when we last saw Jason, he was a rotted-looking little boy in the lake. In Part 2, just one year later, I think it's actually five years later, is it, in Part 2, uh, he's a full-grown man. So what happened? If the end of part one was just a dream, why was Mama Voorhees so adamant that counsellors killed her only son? Was she mistaken? Was she lying? 
If you watch the first movie, she seems pretty psychotically sincere, even talking to herself in his voice. Did Jason hide in the woods after his almost drowning and raise himself? Well then, why didn't he go back to his mommy during all her vengeance trips out to the camp? He obviously saw her get her head cut off and retrieved it. Was that the only time he saw his mother after, her near drown- after his near drowning? Talk about a hell of a coincidence and just plain old bad timing, if that's supposed to be the answer. This logic loophole has caused Tom Savini to call all of the Friday the 13th sequels stupid, as they don't make any sense. So what are your thoughts on this? Any theories? In closing, once again, you guys did a great job, uh, as you always do. So please keep the slasher goodness coming for many years to come. All the best, Brian Sammons. Well, thank you, Brian. Yes, the Friday the 13th Part 2 paradox. Um, I just It is a paradox. It's not a Catch-22, yeah. though. That's a completely different term. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. You have to. to. Well, yeah. I have to, you have to take a leap of faith, I think, with part two. I always just view it as a supernatural incident. I think Jason died and was resurrected by his grief of some kind. I mean, I don't, I try not to analyze it too deeply because it doesn't make any sense. Um, I don't know what you guys think. I just I think, think the movies were built on people getting killed in the woods, and that's what they sold. You know, they, they didn't go in for story, so some liberties with the story were taken in different mm-hmm. entries. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is a major liberty they've taken. Now, what do you think, Justin? Do you think jason resurrected or was he always alive or it's difficult to know isn't it because i think um betsy palmer when she i saw her interviewed at one of the conventions and she was talking about being invited back for part two and she's like what do you mean jason's alive you know she was incredulous at Mm. that and i think you know it's you could come up with theories but it's you know it's i do you know they're not a huge amount of thought went into it i think i think like if there was my theory would be that he didn't drown and he crawled into the woods and he became a wild man um and maybe he was off maybe he was on holiday when his mum came to kill all the counselors you know maybe he was in town <laughs> catching a film or something um and uh and then he uh, but then he came back and saw his mother's head being chopped off and then that drove him from being a mild mannered you know sort of um sort of wild man to turning into a psychotic revenge machine well, that's and, just um, stupid. <laughs> well, it's no more stupid than um, any other theory, is it? Like Alice no. still being alive. I don't think it. it I don't think it works in your favour just to think of theories of why Jason becomes the killer in part two. I mean, you're not. Well, it, yeah, I mean, the thing is, they they just needed a killer, didn't they? Um, they did, they and they just they couldn't yeah. have a they couldn't have um, Mrs. Voorhees' head rolling around with a machete between the teeth. So if you look at it that way, um, anything could be explained in the Friday the 13th movies. Yes. But um, But I think the reason why he looks more grown up in part two is because I I think they do state it's five years later, isn't it? Rather than one year. But it's just in the same way, isn't it? If you look Mm. at something like the, the James Bond movies, and it's never explained why he is still the same age and being played by different actors... You know, it's just taken for granted that it's just something. Mm. That, you yeah, know, it would still be older, though. I mean, even then, because he didn't drown in 1980, he drowned like back in the 60s. So, you know, he would be like, how old would he be in part two? True, true. Yeah. Well, that's no, that's a very good point, actually, because when he jumps out of the lake, because the thing is, Alice probably dreamt that, didn't she? So, yeah, she, you, she's adept at dreaming. I'm telling you. Sorry. She's, she's adept. adept at dreaming. She dreams yeah. a lot. <clears throat> Yeah, she dreamed, she dreamed about being killed. Alive. Is what he's trying to say. She did. Uh, well, okay. Well, that's our that's some of our <laughs> theories on that. But uh, <laughs> so, well, thank yeah. you very much, Brian. Yeah. So, the, got... so the Jason in 1980, basically when Mrs. Voorhees was on a rampage, was thirty something at that stage. Mm. Is what we're saying. Yeah. 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 
he was just chilling out, you know, like mm. he was probably upset. Here's my theory. He was upset with his mother because he felt that she was also slightly to blame because she was cooking when he was drowning. She was making but, love to Steve Christie while that young boy drowned. And so <laughs> were the counselors. Well, that's, the um, that's Joseph's theory anyway. Mm-hmm. Those teeth, she's probably flossing. Or something. <laughs> Have you seen the way he's like? He's like, oh, hi. What are you doing out in this mess? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, yes. Nathan can have his ridiculous theory. I can have mine. <laughs> My theory's not ridiculous. Yeah. You Alice hater. <laughs> Hater's right. going to hate. Joseph, you also hate. hate Alice. I love Alice. I want her to be dead. And I Joseph, love Adrian King. Haven't met her. Do you often I, think of um, of Steve Christie and, and Pamela Voorhees going at it? Sometimes. <laughs> See, no, the big question I would ask myself would be, you know, everyone has all these Friday the 13th questions, but the big question I have is, why on earth would anyone want to kill poor Billy in part five? Because he was obnoxious. He used drugs, and that is a no-no. Mm. He had snow flurries up his nose. I'm sure you used drugs once or twice in your I life. I never had snow flurries up my nose. Mm. Why not? That's what he gets. Yeah. Plus, he but was I really loud, disturbing the peace. Yeah. He was very loud. He he wanted to party. I mean, he he spent all day cleaning up bedpans for God's sake. Don't you think he deserved to cut loose a little bit? He did, and then he deserved to die for it. Uh, we're going to disagree on this one forever. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I think. Well, let's. Uh, have we got any uh, any more? I've got. Uh, I've got. Uh, I got one more. more. I've got one here as well. You, you want to go ahead go? and go first, though? Okay. It was only. I've only got a short one, as it were. Uh, <laughs> says <No>. greetings. <laughs> It's not true, Brett. Um, um, greetings and salutations, gentlemen. Long-time listener and fairly new contributor to the forums. I'm also the schmuck who came up with the uh, top three worst songs list. I'm still waiting for your choices on the podcast. Um, and I think that, that would be a good one to do, actually. I think it would be quite a fun one to do. Um, yeah. uh, love the show and hope you guys keep on going on with the show. Please try and do Sleepaway Camp and Theatre of Blood, the protest slasher dark comedy soon. All hail the cat flush in the toilet, Kenneth Williams, Matron, Chunky Kit Kat, and to a lesser degree, um, Susie, and especially Toya. Um, no, he actually doesn't say that, but he says to a lesser degree, mm-hmm. Toya and Susie. Uh, Brad, <laughs> a.k.a. B-H-Y-1-1-1-7. Ah, so, him. Huh? Yes. Yeah, he posts on the forums. He does. Good guy. Mm. And Sleepaway Camp, I think, will be a very fun one to do. Um, and Theatre of Blood would be a good, uh, good one to do as well mm-hmm. um, at some point. Well, there's so many, isn't there? There's so many. And obviously, Nathan is um, choosing the ones that Nathan chooses, which is kind of a certain <laughs> type. And, <laughs> and I think I've, I've joined him in, in, in his, that type this week. Um, I was so impressed with you. Well, now, you. now it's Eric and I are the only ones who haven't chosen anything terrible. Well, it's argument, arguable. Um, it? But, um, <laughs> yeah, we, we won't go there. Yeah. yeah. But uh, <laughs> should we just talk? Well, actually, we we will reveal, reveal what the next choice is going to be at the end of the show. But uh, have we got another little bit of feedback? Yeah, we got one more from um, yeah. Alex Dean. He writes and says, "Hi guys, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two, your best episode to date." Justin, what did you think of the special shrink effects, i.e., the really bad back projection and the uncanny? I don't know what he's talking about there. Do you? Oh, what the uncanny? Uh, the uncanny, the film. Um, that oh, I was yeah. About. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't. God, I don't even remember that. But I think it's now jogging a memory because I was probably drinking red wine at the time. But um, yes, it was a cheap. It was quite a cheap film. Um, that was uh, yes. It's not something that stayed with me very much actually. Even though I do love cats. 
Okay, he also says, It's great hearing about your movie nights. You lot sharing these films with family and friends, willing and unwilling. How about posting pics of the rooms where the movie experience happens? Point of view shots of your TV screens would be cool. And how about a top three best worst reactions from people you've showed favorite movies to? <laughs> Graduation day was my pick. Uh, one DVD night and the room with the with one accord turned and chatted amongst themselves. Some folks have no taste. Okay. And then he says, about the snake in Friday the 13th, Sean S. Cunningham said, the only disturbing moment on, on the set was when we killed the snake for real. Everything else was make-believe except for the snake, which was chopped with a machete. It's an important moment in the film. It's a tone setting, but it was very upsetting to everyone, including myself, that we actually killed that snake. The reality of it was disturbing, end quote. And then uh, Alex writes and says, Bullshit. There, sorry, there's no excuse for to distress or hurt, let alone kill any animal to, uh, to, for a film. Uh, if it was that disturbing, Bozo, why do it? Shame on him. Anywho, my three worst Friday the 13th moments would be, uh, number three, the end of part eight. Huh? What? Sewage makes us young? Who knew? <laughs> Going back to that again. Uh, number two would be Jason hanging the sleeping bag over the fire in the remake. It's a Jason movie, not a torture porn. And then number one would be not having Betsy Palmer play mom in Freddy vs. Jason. Would any of you guys agree with any of those? Well, yeah. Betsy yeah, Palmer we'll is Jason's mother. Mm-hmm. Mm. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think it's. I think she was. Betsy Palmer was treated very, very badly by um, considering how much money those those films made, um, and they, you know, in part two, they refused to pay her for her plane ticket, didn't they, for her to do anything apart from what she did, uh, and I think that's you know really <coughs> rubbish because considering you know she she made the first film for peanuts, didn't she, and it made sort of like forty million at the box office. So um, yeah. Uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, I think she'll always be Mrs. Voorhees. Plus that woman in Freddy vs. Jason, she didn't quite have the choppers for it. No, no, exactly. It's the teeth, isn't it? The teeth like tombstones, mm-hmm. which is the, uh, which is the, which is, which is key. Yeah. Betsy Palmer is the female Gary Busey. Yes, she is. <laughs> Bless her. <laughs> <laughs> he also says, Joseph, I loved your summary of part two. You should put pen to paper, get a publishing deal and give Justin's amazing slasher book a run for its money. Uh, I don't, I don't know, but then he also says, anyhow, thanks again for many happy listening hours. Happy camper, Alex. P.S. Eric, I don't care what the computer said. I do my best to bring you back to life. Woohoo! That's that what I was. To? I was making reference to the computer. That's a dead fuck reference. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was this, saying this guy's probably said. a bear. This guy's probably a bear. Mm. Mm. That's It's like um, we should be playing. That's some Alex music Dean. Send in uh, nude you, photos, Alex. <laughs> Eric wants to see nude photos. Yeah. Do you, Eric? Yeah, I want everyone to send me nude photos. Everyone. <laughs> you didn't respond to mine. <laughs> yeah, he did. He threw them away. I think we should be careful Aww. what we wish for. Because yeah. um, BTK... You're not bare enough. I'm actually not bare enough, I'm afraid. <laughs> did you see the, um, the erotic photos on um, The Body Count Continues of my book? Um, yes, and, um, oh my God. BTK made love to your book. He did, and that was a very special moment for me because Eli, on the uh, the forums, licked the book, um, and then BTK went one further by um, rubbing his genitals on it. Which is, <laughs> it's very special. That's it's funny. Kind of yeah. uh, BTK just posted on the forums. Uh, 
about our Don't Go in the Woods episode, he put in quotes, you can check out Justin's website at hysteria.co.uk. So I guess I did mess it up. <laughs> uh, well, um, not to worry. Not sorry. But uh, yeah, Correct. well, is, is that everything from Alex or? That's everything. Okay. That's a lot of feedback. That's a lot of feedback. Well, thank you, um, everyone, for writing in. And uh, please do, you know, keep on writing in and phone in as well. So I think the number's, the number's correct. It's just the website that's um, – we'll get that sorted. But, uh, well, what an epic show. I wasn't really sure it would actually go on this long, but it's, um, it's, one, of our, it's one of our longest ones. Um, and I think <laughs> – what? It is. Um, yeah, it's one of our longest ones. <laughs> what I was thinking? He says you're thinking? being rude, Justin. <sighs> you're being saucy. When have I ever been rude? Justin, I mean, Eric, are you going to tell everyone what our next feature is going oh, to yes. be? Oh, yes. It's uh, your pick. Yes, we're going back um, a bit more highbrow. I thought people might need a break from sort of uh, bottom of the barrel um, goodness, What's as it turned say, out to Eric? be. Um, we're going back to 1981 and one of the slasher classics, The Prowler. Mm. Yay, The Prowler. Mm-hmm. The Prowler. Mm, um, good so movie. Something to look- Something to look forward to, and yeah. I thought, um, so we got anything else we want to add before we? Can I just add? Um, I had the movie, um, and I just remember playing in the background while I do the podcast. It's what I normally yeah. do, just in case anything strikes me. And I, one thing I didn't notice before was there's a newspaper headline that says Vicky Kent released from state asylum, but underneath mm-hmm. it there's another headline for another story that says Teen survives rape and river, comma finds a friend. I saw that. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> That's like one of those Simpsons things, like man yeah. loses life, come of life. It's he just, survives know, it's rape and river, finds a friend. Hmm. Well, bizarre, th- bizarre, bizarre, bizarre. I thought it might be appropriate, um, given that Samantha Fox and Sam Fox are always getting mixed up, to actually play out with um, uh, Sam Fox, three page, uh, page three stunner. Um, her classic song is um, Hurt Me, Hurt Me, But The Pants Stay On. Love it. Um, yes, so I thought we'd play out with that, and um, what a title. Um, awful song, but uh, what can you do? So thank you for joining us, and uh, yeah, we'll see you again next time on The Hysteria Continues. Bye. 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 The pants come off. Yeah.
but the pants stay on. Seem to be coming from the hat box. 